Live from the studio complex in Baltimore, Maryland, you're listening to Info Warlocks with Sam Kelly. There's a war on for your magic. Yes! Welcome to Info Warlocks, guys. Uh, I'm Sam. This is Jimmy Zaleski. Um, you already know. <laughs> we uh, Mercury is in, in retrograde. Mercury is in haterade. <laughs> right now. <laughs> haterade. That's classic. I miss good old haterade, yeah. you know? <laughs> Um, since Mercury retrograde has happened, um, I have, um, I, I had all my shit stolen, um, in the streets of Baltimore city. Nice. Um, my friendship with my, uh, longest term female friend ended up in fucking flames. Okay. <laughs> Let me stop you right yeah. here. Cause the first two things you just listed uh, uh, uh. sound like very common things. Yeah. Uh, theft in Baltimore city and a female friendship coming to an end. <laughs> Those are both very, I don't think any planets need to align for that to happen. But the rest, hey, you know, yeah, if yeah. you got anything else, it's going to shock me. Uh, we, I mean, a carbon monoxide poison scare when my kids were in the house. Oh, okay. That could yeah, be yeah. something. Yeah. That could be something. Let's start there. Yeah. Um, less toxic than living with their father was. So, um, yeah. It's been almost a year to the day that I left him and I went to the psych ward. Almost a full year since I started doing stand-up comedy again. Oh, so, um, congratulations. To, uh, and I've, I've been charging um, crystals and I've been charging uh, warrants for my arrest. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, I probably shouldn't talk about this, but um, he's uh, so the person that's watching this podcast most is, is probably my, my, my kid's father. <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> is that out of uh, like uh, contempt or do you think he's still in love with you? Um, he just wants control. Like, see, growing up, I always used to fall in love with the villain in the story, like mm -hmm. the Dark Lord character. And now, like, I regret that because I feel like I manifested that in my life. Like gotcha. someone that's just completely obsessed with destroying my life. <laughs> mm. Well, unfortunately, uh, dating people is a very good method of acquiring podcast fans. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've learned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody <laughs> listens to your podcast more than people that you are or did date. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'm going through like a couple like um, of people with that, but I mean, like uh, they don't even listen though. I mean, they, they just want to get on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, you don't even get me off, so I'm not even going to get you on. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like, I don't give a fuck. Bring on the fucking evil eye. Just bring on the views, dude. We'll <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> take any eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, but we were talking about because um, you are a musician and so you're they in a band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Allegedly. <laughs> I, see, I love the term bard because a bard can describe a musician. A bard could also describe a comedian. I've never heard that term. I know being barred from someplace, like band, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, B-A-R-D, like the, the medieval bards from, okay. uh, from like the Renaissance or even like the Irish bards. Um, and they were known for like casting. Um, they, the reason why they were comedians is they were not only singers, they mm -hmm. would get into like roasts with other people. Gotcha. And it was known as casting a satire on someone, like oh. casting like a curse on someone. So, and you know how jesters were the only people that were allowed to mock the king. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so a bard is basically like uh it's kind of like an all-encompassing like entertainer. Of yes, yes, yes. See, I like I like I I've been in discussions previously on my podcast. Plug live from the studio podcast. If yes. you listen to this and thinking like, hey, I didn't date this guy, but let me listen to that too. Yes. <laughs> we aren't live from the studio. We're dead in front side from the studio. <laughs> show him. Um and we were discussing uh recently. 
with Ryan Buglazer, who owns the Hot August Festival, mm-hmm. and it's coming up August 19th. Yes. That's Ra- Eric's cousin, actually. Uh-huh. He's a DJ at WTMD, and we were discussing music genres and how, like, probably back in the day, there weren't really genres, because genres now are just kind of like the end result of mixing and melding all these different cultures of music together, and from that, now you have, like, hip-hop, which is obviously, I would say, primarily influenced by, like, African music or, you know, slaves in the Americas or whatever, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, or, and then you have like country, which is probably primarily influenced by the old folk music and, and, you know, British, Scottish, Irish stuff, and then Mm -hmm. coming to the Americas. So, but then you have all those mix and then you have all these amalgamations back in the day. It's like in, were there genres of music in like the dark ages? They probably Ah. had like (laughs) church music and not church music. Like those were your two. They like, and so like kind of in the same way you hear about these old jesters, these court jesters. And, like, people try to compare them nowadays to, like, um, stand-up comics. Like, uh-huh. that's the, that's the I'm modern... I'm a divorce court jester. <laughs> or, or just custody court, rather. <laughs> yeah. so, but, like, if you look into it, which I have barely done, but I've watched one YouTube video, and that puts me at liberty to say that I think they were more... I think it, it's, it's, it's more like... They also were... They weren't looked at as, like, fools. Because, like, mm-hmm. like, we have, like, the fool, right? Yeah, like, yeah. that was, like, the other word for them. But they weren't really fools. Like, they weren't just, like, stupid juggling idiots... Like a lot of them really had like um, respected places in the court, like in the royal court. They were the personal entertainer of royalty and they were the ones who had the right to like yes. make fun of the royalty and tease and do basically like political commentary. Like I almost think they're more akin to I mean, I guess stand, that is what stand up comedians do now. You know, um, but, but so I, you, you have the court jesters that are the famous comics that sort of play the game and feed into the elite and only toe the line a little bit. True. Like Stephen Colbert types, you know, that kind of like. Yeah, the court jesters were kind of like late night television. Right. Hosts. But then you had the bards. Yeah. And they were the real motherfuckers. Yeah. Like Louis C.K. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. He's barred from a lot He's of places. He's barred from a lot of places. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he but I like that. Couch. I like that because I've always kind of thought. But, you know, you know, it's kind of um, boring to just be not boring. Look, you can only be good at so many things. But like I've always liked trying, at least in what I do, to kind of throw in a little comedy. Now, obviously, it's way more lean towards the music. But like, you know, I like to throw in jokes in between. I'm not saying they're good. I'm not sitting here being like, yo, this is something I'm good at. I'm saying this is something I attempt to do. Like I enjoy kind of like, you know, leading into the next song with like a story like here is a fun fact about this song. Here's a stupid joke about it. Like something just kind of all encompassing, you know, where it's like now that being said, I do not like musical comedy. Really? Not a big fan. Wow. Not even Weird Al? I think comedian, I think comedy during a music set is cool Mm -hmm. and tasteful when tastefully done. But music during a comedy set, I almost never enjoy. (laughs) I can can Mm -hmm. probably count on, on one finger the amount of times that I've legitimately laughed out loud from a musical comedy set. <laughs> right, right. And what like, about Stephen Lynch? Do you, do you know who the, know they're, they're, it's Stephen Wright it or Stephen Lynch? Stephen Wright. Yeah, Stephen, I know Stephen, or Stephen Wright. Stephen Lynch. He was he did like Particle Board is the only thing I can afford. I don't um, He did a bunch of fucking songs. Like I can't remember, but I, I remember watching with Comedy Central when I was younger. Let me just say real quick, yeah. one exception to my rule. Dimitri Martin. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he did a lot of different things. So so the thing with Dimitri Martin was like he had like an act that was divided in like seven different. He had like a drawing 
portion. He had like a straight stand-up set. He had like a guitar portion. Like he kind of did so much different stuff that it wasn't really like it was too much weight on any particular part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Bo, Bo Burnham, I respect. And like oh, I find yeah, I, love I, him. I, I but the thing is, is like I find Bo Burnham amusing. I don't mm-hmm. find him hilarious. And there's a difference. It's mm-hmm. like if I'm watching a comedian for stand-up comedy, I'm looking for the hilarity of it. Or oh, at least yeah poignancy good points and stuff like well, see, that i thought his one special inside was actually kind of like the commentary of like covid of quarantine yes and i didn't um, watch that so you did it oh I my did. god you totally gotta watch I, it's I, amazing I should. people have told yeah, me yeah it's, it's really good Vic. all the wrong people have told yeah. me i should watch that which is why i haven't watched it <laughs> but he had a, like a song like i can't believe you made me vote for joe biden you know so it's okay. like he had you know like yeah it, it was like a mix of you like, had my interest yeah. <laughs> now you have my attention <laughs> Um, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll get to that in, in, a, in a minute. But yeah, it's just like um, I. But we were just talking about how like you know you are um, in a band, you're a musician, but you. I was asking if you would ever go solo or anything, and mm-hmm. you said there's like an embarrassment or a cringiness to just having your name out there. I think that, and that's basically what stand up is. But. Oh, totally, <laughs> yeah. totally. But the thing is, is like, um, you know, and I, I think a good comparison to this is like I think when you are a solo act. And this is more, and and it's weird how the rules of conduct uh, differ, not just between the different art forms, stand-up comedy and music, but even within genres. Like, like in hip hop, um, rap groups are (laughs) much more far and few than a rap artist. They have like kind of like crews. But they're not like, it's not like Run DMC and like they're all four of them performing together. It's like they have like a crew, but then each person in that crew has their own solo thing. So like, but with that also comes that hip hop, sorry, if you had the type of subject matter in hip hop, which I'm not even going to get into like the, the cliche stuff, but even just the baseline level of ego that goes into the average hip hop verse it's like if there was any other genre of music, like a country song or like an indie pop song that was literally just talking about how fucking awesome you are, how many bitches you fuck, yes. how much money you make, how dope your life is and how dope like, yay, the person listening to this isn't. <laughs> it's like uh, that only flies in that genre. I, you can't even picture like... Well, well, let me ask you, what about like the 80s glam rock or like heavy metal? That, certain they heavy metal. flirted with it, but like they were more like... They kind it's of, more like safe self hatred, like they, unleashing exa- the darkness within. I'm glad yeah. you said that because yeah. I was gonna say it was almost like they like the the closest you can get to it with rock is you can talk about how much sex you have and how much drugs you do, but you kind of have to do it coming from an angle of like, but I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't <laughs> yeah. fuck as much as I did. Like this lifestyle has brought me right, nothing right. but depression. It's yeah, like, like running with the devil. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's like not a sadness there's there, not yeah. a lot of just like, dude. I fuck so many bitches. I do so much coke, and my life is awesome. Yours isn't, and we are motley crew. Right. Like I guess, I guess in a way, there um, are there are times that that they do talk like that, yeah, like yeah. girls, 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 and stuff. But it's it's much less common, right, right, as it's compared to hip hop, and so like. I think that a lot of that comes from the fact that these in hip hop are primarily primarily solo artists. Mm-hmm. And I think in order to be a solo artist, you have to buy yourself as a brand. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to like it's easy to be in a band, I think easier since I've done both and been unsuccessful at both. No, it's no, easier yeah. to like take something that's like 
you, but it's it's a separate thing from you. It's like a separate entity. Like live from the studio podcast is me and Eric, but that makes it easier for me to sell it because it's like one degree of detachment. It's like it's not just me. It's a thing that I'm heavily involved in that I can now look at as a separate brand and push that without feeling like I'm pushing myself too much. Right, right. That's the embarrassment yeah. that it comes with stand-up also yeah, because yeah. it just feels like an extremely egotistical thing. Yeah, you're pushing like, yeah. yourself. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's hard to do. Right. If right. you're not an egomaniac. Right, right. I see well I I am I'm a, a self-loathing egomaniac. Like all of myself I'm still focused on myself, but a lot of it is like the hating mm -hmm. hating myself part of it. But mm -hmm. it's like I know that I am called to do stand-up because I hate it. It's like so fucking cringy mm -hmm. and embarrassing to like put yourself out there in the spotlight and be like, I can hold the attention of a room. I can make people laugh. Mm -hmm. I am an entertainer. And telling people that you do stand up in the muggle world, as I call it, is just like so humiliating. Well, but I just feel like I have to. It is. It is weird um, when you even get in because like, you know, to have a conversation about ego in the context of art, which is inherently kind of this compulsion to put yourself out there like express yourself to other people mm -hmm. and and try to get people to listen constantly i mean that's all art is you know you make music uh you want people to listen to it you you do stand-up comedy you want people to laugh you want people to be at the shows you want people to listen to it and it's like it is kind of a th it's like kind of like when they talk about like when somebody's running for president right. and they're like oh he has a big ego it's like dude don't you Im imagine being a human being and going Dude, see this country of 330 million people? You know who should run that shit? Me. <laughs> like, you, you right, can't right. not kind of have an ego if you think that you should be the leader of the free world. Now, having an ego... That's the does, appealing thing about Trump I can see is that he didn't yeah. hide his ego. And people people said, uh, you know, well, when I say people, I mean Socrates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ancient Greek philosophers have postulated <laughs> that, like, you know, the best people to be in those positions of leadership are people who don't want the... Be the best people to be in positions of power are people who don't yes, want that power. Yes, that's why in mythology or in, like, Harry Potter and stuff it's always the concept of the chosen one mm -hmm. someone who prophecy basically like dictated had to undergo this journey because mm -hmm. if you wanted to just save the world if you thought that you were capable if you chose to do that on your fucking own you're just like total egotistical dick like yeah. no, nobody's gonna root for that guy but that's also what's <laughs> weird about art is because no one really has come up to us and been like dude we need you to make music <laughs> it's like it's this self um, yes, you know, proclaimed but, destiny. Yes, yes, the people have because you were just telling me a story about your bassist or about whoever you know, that, that guy is and he saw you perform at a bar and he approached you and said, I need you to make me a rock star. Sure. Okay. He needed you. Okay, sure. <laughs> and, and this is me attempting to kind of like uh, just play basically the devil's advocate yeah, against yeah, yeah. the idea of art and egoism is mm -hmm. like, it's hard to differentiate between a compulsion that is egotistical or just, I don't know what the other word for it would be to describe it in the other way. But it's like, you know, I, I always looked at it as like, you know, again, going back to the ancient Greek philosophers, Socrates and Plato, my boys, <laughs> they, you know, when they talked about what morality is, which was the entire kind of question of the Republic, um, the Republic was, I think, probably his most famous dialogue. That was where they had like the allegory of the cave or like shadows on the wall and stuff. But now it's the allegory of the man cave. <laughs> <laughs> and they had this kind of uh, the, the burning question was, what is morality? And kind of the conclusion, there wasn't really a final conclusion. Um, but 
the conclusion they drew nearest to was that morality is every person doing what they do best, like yeah. doing their job. And so I think with art, you kind of have to believe that you're good at it in order to feel that compulsion to do it. Well, um, let me just get, is it the belief that you're good at it or is the belief that you're doing good by doing it? That you're that's a good you're conveying a, like a message or that you're bringing some kind of light to other people to receive. Sure, but even that's that's a great question. But even from there, the belief that you're doing good is is in other words saying like, dude, whatever it is that's emanating from inside of me, other people need this, mm -hmm. which means that you on some level believe that your message, your truth is is important enough that you need to spend your time getting it out there. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it is a reality of uh, art and there are ways to do it from an ego and there are ways to do it uh, from humility. But right. that's like kind of the tightrope and that's kind of why I think a lot of people like yourself and people that are more level-headed have a harder time. <laughs> I'm not definitely not level-headed, but... <laughs> well, I mean, like, I think people that I... I mean, like, more grounded in their perceptions themselves, mm -hmm. sometimes for better or for worse, yeah. you know? <laughs> Whether you think you're worse than you are, you just are just like, dude, yeah, I think I'm good. But, like, from that standpoint, it's hard because so much of that initial startup of anything is um, the branding aspect. Right. And so many people when I was getting into when I was first starting to kind of like become a musician, get into the business or whatever, that was like the first thing they always tell you is like, well, what's your image? What's your brand? Mm -hmm. And it's hard to ask someone who's been themselves their entire life to tell who are you in 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 one sentence or less, who are you? What's your brand? And you're like, I don't know. I just I just am me. Right. And that's a really hard thing to sell. It's kind of the difference between when you look at podcasts and you're like, oh, what's that podcast about? It's like, oh, there's these guys who like, uh, you know, eat different types of cereal. <laughs> and it's like at least, okay, maybe that's not going to appeal to a, to the broad market, but at least the, the people that are obsessed with cereal, it's very easy to get them because right, it's right. like, you know, versus when you come on and be like, uh, our podcast, we just kind of talk about random sh whatever's going on that week. That's a way harder thing to sell. Right. You right. know? Yeah. And so already like a name or something like, okay, I'll give an example. My girlfriend works uh, down in Miami for an artist. I'm not going to say his name, uh. um, but he uh, is very successful uh, and has multiple galleries all around us selling paintings for like 75,000, 80,000 a pop. Whoa. Insane. Is she uh, an artist? Uh, she's like an artist assistant. She like, oh, oh well, the, what's funny about this situation is she basically does all the work. Uh -huh. He comes up with the concept. The concept is, and anybody who's familiar with modern art would might be able to point uh, pick out who I'm talking about, but because you've definitely seen it. It's like basically like uh, a collage of stuff in like a background and then there's like a phrase could be like keep calm or like you know something else any any like short little phrase in like very solid lettering and then you pull off the lettering and the letters are out of the collage if oh. i showed you a picture of it you'd instantly have be like yeah i've seen stuff like this but basically with modern artists especially so much of their uh, what i've uh perceived it to be is like 
you get like one thing that's your thing and you just keep replicating it over and over. Right, again. right. So it's like, you know, there's a guy that just paints signs, spray paints signs, and that's his thing. He just spray paints signs. Well, at a certain point, once you've figured out what it is you're going to do, then he can just tell my girlfriend, okay, I need to cut out this many pictures of like this kind of stuff, glue them together, and then he just signs it at the end. Because yes, it's, you know, yeah. and so like, but then he had this idea where he was going to do this thing where he basically, he's going to have like a limited edition of like gold blocks, right? Which all they are is uh, wood blocks, spray painted gold with like a unique number engraving. There was like a thousand of them. So he was going to sell them for like multiple thousands of dollars. And like people actually fucking bought them. Wow. And it's like literally it's like the reality of brand. But they're not buying like a Micah students like art that they like poured their heart exactly. and soul into. Yeah. The problem, <laughs> the problem. And, and this is I'm I'm coming at it from like six different angles. But what I've kind of realized about marketing is it's the same way that fashion works. You could take the same shirt um, that doesn't have the word Supreme stapled across it or whatever, and it'll sell for 12 bucks at Walmart. Mm -hmm. um, once you put it out as a limited edition, this, that, the, other, the third, you could sell that same shirt for multiple hundreds of dollars. I'm a limited edition because I'm suicidal. Why don't, <laughs> why don't you guys find me appealing? <laughs> and like the reality is most people... The reason why they want that Gucci purse is not because the actual build of the purse yeah, is, it's better, shitty. It's like is better than any other bag you could get. I'm saying purse like I'm 40, 98 years old. <laughs> Gucci bag or whatever. It's because when you have that word Gucci on your bag, it says to other people, I have the money to blow on this frivolous thing. Right. And so right. It it's an elevation of your own status. And so when you get big enough to be a brand, then you can sell whatever the fuck you want. Kind of like how Taylor Swift tickets, Taylor Swift's been around since 06. Right. And then all of a sudden, people are taking out mortgages to go see her in concert in the past two years. It's like, what the hell happened? Uh, She's been around for 15 yeah, years. Yeah. You know, like what the fuck happened? And what it is, is like these waves of things happen. People get obsessed with the brand. And if you're egotistical enough to know that that's how people perceive you and to buy your own hype, to also believe in your own hype, then that's the kind of person that would go, fuck it, dude. I'll just get a bunch of wood blocks, spray painted gold. Motherfucker's going to buy that shit. <laughs> a person like you right. or I could never do that right. because we don't take ourselves seriously. Right, right. In a good way. Yeah. I yeah. wager. <laughs> right. But see, um, I can... I can understand though the point of like where you're keep manufacturing something that works like that's the point and I haven't been doing that much stand up lately unfortunately but where I'm at with my stand up where I know I have sort of formula to my jokes mm -hmm. but they work mm -hmm. and like lately when I've been doing like sets at shows like I'm like crushing I'm getting like a really good response but other people like other comedians tell me like oh you know you need to get up there and you need to play around you need to do crowd work you need to do this and this and this it's not enough to just go up there and tell your jokes that's easy and I'm just like, you guys have no idea, like the level of anxiety and everything that I feel like getting yeah. up on here in the fucking first place, like isn't easy. Like, yeah. and I've never been like a comic that can just like get up on stage and riff with people. I mean, I hope to be that way one day, but it's like my jokes come from within my own darkness. I spend time writing. Like, it's obvious that I'm a writer. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, first of all, I think the best, uh, there's comedic voice. Uh, I've heard people describe it as comedic tone. I <laughs> like that because... I, as a musician, I relate to kind of like guitar tone. You play the same thing through your guitar, but depending on what kind of amplifier you have, what kind of guitar you have, what kind of pedals you're working with, what your rig's like, you have like a totally different kind of sound that, that you kind of curate over time mm -hmm. to become your own sound. Right. And like from as a comedian, it's like, look, yeah, you want to be comfortable in your own uh, skin. 
obviously. But if it's not a natural thing to you to just go, if you're not the person in regular life who's just fucking walking up to people and riffing and just making small talk conversation, you don't have to be that person on stage. Because look, I look at it almost the opposite way. I see guys like, um, you know, not to shit on anybody specifically, but, um, you know, more known guys like uh, Big J Okerson, mm-hmm. who I have respect for as a successful comedian. He's yeah. not my style of comic um, because so, he leans so heavily on the crowd work that that almost feels like a cop out because yes, it's like, OK, yeah, yeah, you're a naturally funny person. You know how to bullshit with people. And that's great. But like it, in my opinion, the art of stand up comedy is that kind of like. Seinfeldy Louis C.K. esque level of writing and just getting to the point of a of a certain issue that may or may not, especially with Louis, because Seinfeld kind of just walks the the safe line, you know, and right, just kind of right. just does like observational shit. But like when you can take a, a thing and like truly express your opinion on that thing in your voice in a very concise manner, in a way that is. Uh, replicable and and resonates with people. That to me is, is the true art of stand up comedy versus fluffing up your set with thirty five minutes of so. How long you guys been dating? <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what? How many days did you fuck on the first night? Did you fuck on the first night? How big's his dick? It's like okay, yeah, you can do yeah. that, but like I can do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and then that's the thing. Like I, a lot of comics that are like popular on TikTok or popular in social media are posting their crowd work, but not necessarily the jokes that they use because they're not writing consistently or they have the set that they stick with. Like yeah. they're not revealing like their actual jokes. Well, I mean, in reality, posting a clip of your crowd work is is the same as posting a random clip from your podcast. True. Because true. a podcast is a free-flowing conversation. You sift through however many hours you recorded on that particular episode. You find the one-minute clip that you right. think Right. Well, see, funny. like a while ago, like I did like something, a line I came up with during the podcast where I was just talking about how the acronyms in LGBT, like that's how I'm teaching my kids the ABCs. Mm-hmm. And it's been like working. So this is actually like a really good exercise to like bounce ideas back and forth totally. and just come up with something. But... It's, yeah. it's why comedians tend, I mean, if you think about it, podcasting now has become a comedian dominated yes. industry. Um, and it didn't necessarily have to be that way. Like there's nothing inherent about a podcast that says, oh yeah, this is something that stand up comedians are primarily going to do. It just so happened that podcasting was a thing that resonated because with the first podcast, you know, there were all there was serial and shit like mm-hmm, that. But mm-hmm. now, and there's still podcasts like that. But it almost seems like every stand-up comedian has a podcast, which is right. not a bad thing. But it's such a it's such a good it's a very good uh, conductor for the the inner working of a stand-up comedian, which is just kind of like trying stuff out, talking about shit, and not having the pressure of every single premise you or every single topic having to be a well-crafted joke right right and, and then that's the angle where i things. messed up in the from the beginning but now i feel more comfortable just like not necessarily knowing what we're going to talk about yeah, and just like yeah. letting shit you know flow i mean this is where you find it versus maybe 30 years ago it was a bunch of guys in the green room and i hate i hate <laughs> when you can tell a stand-up comedian is trying a joke yeah, on you and yeah. i hate that <laughs> it's right. so just like cringe to me it's like it's like you know that like when somebody tries to show you a video on their phone, that's one level of cringe. It's like, dude, okay, just send me the fucking link. I'll watch it on my own. Time. I'm not going to sit here over your shoulder while there's people talking and try to listen to this funny video and not really be in the place to do it. 
the level above that is when you can just tell a comic's like trying a bit. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. All right, now I have to laugh, or at least like now I have to like give feedback in regular conversation. Whereas in a regular <laughs> conversation, it's like if somebody says something that's not that funny, you throw them a pity laugh and move on. Oh, that's the worst. I hate bombing in conversation than I <laughs> more than I hate bombing on stage. But. Bombing in conversation <laughs> sucks, yeah. but all the real ones do it because if you're not trying. Right, right. That's what Patrice O'Neill said. He's like, you you know, you're not funny if you've never like bombed, if you've never tried hard enough. Yeah, <laughs> you have to because I mean, it's like, you know, look and and for instance, like I probably bomb so much more on the podcast with Eric. <laughs> Eric, his like word to hit ratio is amazing because <laughs> I right, do right. about 80 percent of the talking, probably more on that podcast. But <laughs> when he comes in, it's good, you know, versus me. I just kind of just fuck. <laughs> Bert Kreischer and like Louie like that podcast was like fucking like hilarious it's just like Bert is like hysterical just like a personality and so open and stuff mm-hmm. and like Louie just sits back and is just like, mm-hmm. psh, psh, like yeah but um like I I Eric hasn't really even been doing comedy that much lately mm-hmm. has he it's like he's mostly just been doing like production stuff right yeah I haven't I, I I've been kind of wondering what's going on with that and like but you guys are a good contrast too because like you have like that fiery energy and he's like the more you know he tethers it like to well the totally and, and and like I think that he's kind of at a place with comedy and I'm I'm just speaking from like my outside perspective I just feel like he he's he's happy and doesn't need the validation yeah he's ex- <laughs> I mean that is probably the best way to do it yeah yeah I think that he knows he's a funny person yeah uh the podcast is a good outlet once a week to come on and just fucking be funny and talk about shit that's going on and like get your jokes in and like I don't think he feels the need to do I think you know i think this happened to a lot of comics during covid where like they kind of got that break where like it's very easy to and you saw this all across the board not just with comedy but with musicians with restaurants i mean how many restaurants were open 24 7 before covid and now that things are open back up completely again those restaurants are not back to 24 7 i think it's like i kind of had a similar experience when i was playing i was playing at the horse who came in on every sunday night from 9.30 to close, 1.30 in the morning, 9.30 to 1.30 in the morning, every Sunday, solo, you know, some, a lot of times it would be like a decent crowd when I first got in, but it's a Sunday. Most people are out of there by, you know, 10.30, whatever, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like hit or miss, a crapshoot if it's going to be any type of crowd later on in the night. It was just kind of like, but because I was just so in the just routine of doing it, I didn't realize how much I truly wasn't enjoying it after a while like i was i didn't realize how much of like a low level dread i was feeling every sunday morning going out to brunch with my friends and having a good time and oh now it's four and i'm like seven mimosas in i'm having a great time and then oh now we're watching the ravens game and it's like blah 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 and then around 8 p.m it's like dude i gotta a i gotta sober up but can you imagine your younger self looking at you like when you were first starting out and being imagining like how you could ever dread that yeah, exactly. Like first and you know, and it's like I was actually it's funny you say that because I was thinking about that kind of like earlier today leaving the gym and I was thinking like you know, I was thinking about exactly this, like how I used to do these gigs and now I I mean, I you literally couldn't I mean, you literally couldn't pay me. I mean, obviously there's a number, <laughs> but like the number that I would charge is not the, any number that I would actually get. Yeah. Like I was doing it for $150. Um I'm I couldn't even think of a number off the top of my head. I guarantee you they wouldn't agree to it for me to do every Sunday. Um and that's no shade to them or to anybody. It's just a reality. Like I enjoy playing. They're just not on fucking Sunday nights every Sunday. And like yeah. but when COVID hit, 
it actually hit that morning. It was a <laughs> Sunday morning. Um, when it was right before they shut everything down because they shut things down on that Monday. But that Sunday, the horse decided to close early. <laughs> and I got a text from the bar manager saying, hey, we're closing early because of this whole COVID thing, so no gig tonight. And I was like, you know, it kind of felt like a snow day. And I, at the time, of course, you're thinking things will be back any day now. You know, maybe I'll probably be back next week, whatever. Nobody knew it was going to be like that. But then after a couple months and stuff like that, when it came back, I was thinking, dude, there's no way I'm re-agreeing to go do this again. I had kind of been doing it because I already had it and I didn't want to lose it because it was a steady guaranteed 150 every week, you right. know, that I couldn't justify in my own mind just not doing it. Shit, that's I didn't my child support it. payment every month. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's amazing how once you, once you get taken out of the mix, you kind of have this zoomed out perspective and you're like, oh, wait. I actually really didn't enjoy that thing. I did enjoy those things. So I'll, I'll it's kind of like speaking of Louis C.K., I was listening to um, old Opie and Anthony clips, which yes. I actually don't really do that often. I fucking love that. That's one of my influences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were talking about uh, marriage or something. And Louis had this joke, I think. I think it was Louis, where he did this joke like, you know, marriage would be better if it was like, instead of like a forever contract, it was like a a re-up like every five ten years like every five ten years uh, yeah. you come to the end of your contract and you're like all right like it's time for us to renew like you kind of like it's it's like and i thought about that i was like actually yeah because how many people are just stuck in relationships they're not happy with but just they don't really it's 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 a big effort to get out of a really a, a serious relationship yes. it's like a whole oh don't i fucking know yeah. it <laughs> it's same thing with apartments it's like you know every year around November, my brother and I have to have a conversation and be like, are we renewing the lease? <laughs> Otherwise, it's just day-to-day -day waking up and just living your life. But then because every year you kind of have to reconsider, right, are we right. still going to live here? Is this still the best place to live? Is this the best price? It forces you to kind of like reconvene. And I think going back to Eric and comedians and stuff, I think with him, I think he was in the habit of doing that kind of like classic circuit, just going around doing mics everywhere. And I think once he kind of once everybody was taken out of it, I think he got a chance to zoom out and be like, "All right, yeah, I love comedy, but I wasn't. I don't need to be doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't need to be." And I, I'm saying this because I can't imagine he would disagree. Oh no, I just noticed yeah. like from listening to your guys' podcast that he's like so like you both are very hilarious and stuff and bounce really good off each other. And, yeah, you know, Liz is still doing it. Um, his girlfriend and and he's still very involved. I mean, he 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 and Joey at ATV Productions, they're the ones doing the shorts with oh, Stavi. Yeah. Um, like they're yeah, very amazing. he's very involved in comedy, and I think that and and like I'm sure he still does stand up. Yeah, like, he does yeah. his hot set show. And like, I think that's actually a cooler place to be when, um, you know, you're comfortable enough, uh, a financially is the biggest thing, but right. nobody's really, you know, making their bones off <laughs> local comedy in Baltimore. So that's not a factor, right. but just like with your own personal fulfillment and validation and happiness to be like, look, I enjoy doing comedy, uh, as a thing that I do when I want to do it. Right, it's right. not, I'm, I no longer look at it as this thing that I have to, I'm not like grinding, you know, <laughs> right, and that's right. okay. That's okay. Right. I mean, I, I'm at the place where I want, it's like every time I do a set and it goes well, it's like a drug infused in my blood where I can't like sleep. And mm -hmm. it's just a matter of the financial part that's keeping me from getting out there and doing it. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just like a lot of these, I'm not trying to start or talk shit or anything like that, but it's like this one, you know, popular club around here. It like, it would cost money for me to get there. So it's like, why would I show up not being guaranteed a spot? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, and it's yeah. a cool kids club. And I'm, I'm a, I know I'm a fucking unhinged mess on social media, but aren't them like, can you imagine if like Sam, I think I talked about this with like before, but if like Sam Kinison had social media, yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. Can you imagine if, yeah. you know, um, what was his name? Like um, fucking Richard Pryor yeah. had social media, mm-hmm. just like what hot ass messes they would be. But mm-hmm. they were the funniest motherfuckers alive. And I'm not saying I'm anywhere near their level or anything like that, but yeah. I've earned my fucking keep around here. And it's not, nothing's happening for it. It's like, I, I have to start putting in my time in DC and New York, I guess. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> another thing. And it's like, it's like, look, the reality is, and this again is for just about anything, not just unique to comedy, but it's you, you kind of, you know, we all grow up with the Hollywood version of success that you watch a movie, you watch a documentary about some band you like, and it's always, they always, you know, when you consolidate someone's story to one and a half hours with commercials, right, for some, right. you know, I'm talking old school, like when you're watching the thing yeah. on TV, remember TV people <laughs> on television <laughs> channels, um, <laughs> Uh, you kind of, you know, it kind of creates this image in other people's minds that like, you're just like a guy working at a bar, washing a (laughs) wipe, polishing a glass. And some guy walks in and he's like talking to some other guy. And he's like, man, I can't believe that guy canceled tonight. It's unbelievable. He's sitting at the bar. He's like, barkeep, we'll get two whiskeys. And the guy walks over (laughs) and man, the bartender's just in the background polishing a glass and the two guys in their suits unbuttoned are sitting at the bar. Man, it's like, how is he going to cancel last minute? Who are we going to put on stage tonight that's going to fill this seat? And the bartender's like, I'll do it. Yeah, and then right, and exactly. then boom, then he goes up and he fucking kills, and it's like that was where I made it. It's like that's not real life. Right, real right. life is this gradual just putting in your time with zero validation. Real life is like your Greek father, like keeping you trapped in a room, like making you practice, <laughs> like giving like be like you're gonna be the best singer, Jimmy. Like, do you know how long? And I'm asking this question honestly because I don't know because I'm still not at the other part where you actually get validation. Do you know how long it takes some people of putting in this, just doing your thing over and over again with zero feedback or validation from the universe or whatever you want to call it, God, that you're even doing something that is worth your time? Yeah. And it's like you just kind of have to just do it. And if you're good, you have to just that's where kind of faith comes in. It really is. It's like you just do your thing. And and the bigger takeaway from this is you have to do it for yourself because no one's else going to do it for you. Yes. You know, that's that's anything in life. Nobody else is going to go out and get you a girlfriend. Nobody else is going to go out and pay your rent. I mean, unless you're a super hot girlfriend. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Like, but like. Anything in life, you're the one that has to do it for yourself. And like, look, you know, whenever you're relying on anyone else, um, and it's good, like there's a difference between relying on somebody versus just like working with people. Exactly. Like this podcast, like I wouldn't have anywhere near this level of equipment without, you know, yeah, coming but to that's your not studio reliance and and or dependence. Right, right. But it's working together. You know, it's like if you had the idea that you wanted to do a show, you'd be doing this show if I never existed. You know, it wouldn't 
wouldn't sound yeah. as good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alone in my room, like the my cameras TikTok would videos. be a lower definition. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but maybe not. I don't know. Who knows that alternate timeline? But yeah. what I'm saying is like you kind of have to be like, look, I'm gonna do this gig. Like I used to like not take gigs if people in my band couldn't do that gig. And then I was like, wait a second, this is yes. my job. That's not their job. If they can't make this gig, that's great. I'll find somebody else to play drums. And no, obviously I want my bandmates to be at that gig, but I can't I can't not take work because somebody else can't do the job. Right. Unless right. a person comes up and is like, we specifically want sophomore, you, John Joe. Other than that, it's like, you know, I'm going to hit up John and Joe first to be like, yo, can we do this? And if one of them says they can't do it, I'm going to take that gig. Yeah. Regardless. Because exactly. that's, I can't rely on anyone. And that's, and I, you know, that I would say I wouldn't want them relying on. It's like the same thing. You, Here you I don't go wanna... on the road again. Here yeah. I go. <laughs> yeah. So I was just listening to that up Metallica, the Metallica version. But yeah. Um, but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, this is the area that I'm at right now in stand up. And what I'm doing here is this. I feel like a fucking rogue. I feel completely by myself when I used to kind of have like my crew. Mm. And it's a freeing, liberating feeling, but it's also extremely lonely. Well, I think that, look, in reality, and I realize it's just a music too, just mm. there are more opportunities and it's not even necessarily more opportunities. Like there's more opportunities in DC. It's just like, there's always more opportunities everywhere than there is in one place. Right. And right. so like, if you're branching out and going like, look, I'll take the shows I can get in Baltimore, but I'm not limiting myself to Baltimore because now I'm limiting myself to what the people in this circle are willing to give me. And I'm not limiting myself to what everyone around me is saying I deserve. I'm going to go out and if I can get only one or two spots in Baltimore, then I'm going to go out and get a couple more spots in DC, maybe drive up to Philly, maybe try to get my foot in the door in New York. And it's like, that's really how it's done. You know, right, right. you know, I spent so much time wishing that Baltimore was just more of an established scene for anything. And the reality is we have a lot of talent here and we have a, a lot of cool places and a lot of great people, but you know, when you compare it to these other cities, it's just not, it's not really on the same level. Right. And right. that's annoying. And I, it's ideally, a great place to build your voice and to go through the fucking ringer. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. become like strong or at least believe in yourself. And believe yeah. That you and have it's what a it great takes. place for that because there's no real serious place that like, like the opera, the doors are open pretty much anywhere around here. If you can do something, but, you know, whereas in New York, it's like you're not getting a spot at the Comedy Cellar unless, you know, you know right. I don't I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but I'm assuming, you know, you're not just some open micer that's, you know, on a guest spot. You know, you kind of have to prove something before you get those opportunities. But that the good side of that is there there's higher up to climb. The problem right. is it's like it, 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 the ladder is further down to the ground in Baltimore to get to your start. But it only goes up this high. <laughs> exactly. And the fucking big fish, like I said on the podcast with Matt Brown, that were big fish 10 plus years ago when I started, even before my break, are still the big fish here now. Yeah. And I mean, there are a few exceptions, but it's like the people that I started with, half of them won't even like look me in the eye when I come in, mm. even after I've had like a strong set. And it's like the newer people are like, oh my God, like I never see you. Da, da, da. Or when I went to DC, like I'm not trying to brag on myself. Okay. Like I fucking hate myself. But in Alex Starr's room, like mm -hmm. I crushed. It was the first time that my mom said I had the best set of the night and I was funny. Mm. My mother, my Jewish cunt mother, 
said this, and she said that she wished she would have gotten a third abortion. So it's, but it's like, well, Tomaso, your mom is our third yeah. guest on the podcast today. Welcome, oh, yeah, she will be, um, Mrs. Her, Kelly. The two guests I'm manifesting this year are my mother and then my ex, um, my, my kid's father. <laughs> that's that's doable. yeah yeah um but it's just in, in the bible even or in the torah rather it says like you must run from your father's house basically mm. that means it's just like at a certain point you bring your you, you can't spread your light to like where you were born or, or people won't be receptive to it interesting it's, it's like they'll look at you like a fucking fraud or a fake because they can't they just remember you when you started that is some excellent Jewish wisdom. <laughs> Holy crap, dude. I, I'm, I've, I've been reading the Kabbalah stuff Do you stuff guys lately, have but... fortune lockers? Because yeah. that would be such a good yes. little thing to pull out. <laughs> I love that. And, 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 and I, love, I love the way it's phrased because I do feel like a lot of times like I'm even apprehensive to even just move downtown just because mm. of my parents view they grew up in the city and like oh you big, totally should a big thing with with baltimore boomers is that they are not big fans of the city now <laughs> and right. you know if i were to get a place down there they may be like oh you're gonna move down there like bullshit car's gonna get broken into and blah 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 but you gotta do it you gotta learn you gotta <laughs> just you can't just fucking take somebody's advice you gotta go down there and figure it out for yourself so go ahead and it's like okay <laughs> sure and it's like, look, do I have a need to? No, because I live off of 83. I can get anywhere in the city I need to in 20 minutes or less. Okay. And it's like, okay, great. But at the same time, it's like, I've also never lived anywhere else other than Towson my entire life. I'm 30 years old. Right. And it's like, why not? You know, it's like, why not just not live in Towson? Well, if your girlfriend, it seems like she has like in Miami and stuff like that, if she has like a prosperous like career or something, like would you move with her like out of state to like a bigger city? Well, here's or the thing. It's like, I don't really foresee myself leaving Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And that's only because it's like, I'd be leaving the podcast. I'd be leaving the band. Mm -hmm. And it's like, those are the two things that I consider my most valuable assets. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately and unfortunately <laughs> in my life. Well, and it's like, so it's like, look, I don't, what am I going to move to New York and meet a better drummer, meet a better guitarist and songwriter? No, I don't think so. Am I going to move to New York and meet a better co-host? I don't think so. Right. It's right. not about that. So like I would, I would stay in Baltimore just because it's like, I don't think I've peaked out here. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, like it, I think another mistake people make with uh in this area is understanding that yes there is a there is a top here and the top is lower than the top in new york or la but at the same time uh that doesn't mean if you're a nobody that you should just move out to new york and just be like all right i'm just gonna start there and it's like yeah that works for some people but i've always kind of looked at it in the way where it's like well if baltimore is such a low tier city and you're so i'm the awesome, low tier of the low tier <laughs> But That's it's, the fucking <laughs> shitty part, yes. But but it's like, look, <laughs> if you're so awesome and Baltimore is so not awesome, then why aren't you the man in Baltimore? Right, right. Like, yeah. if I would look at it as like, yeah, I'd move to New York. I'd move to L.A. Once I can move to New York and be like, yo, by the way, you've probably heard of us. We're like the biggest band in Baltimore. Right, we have right. the number one podcast in Baltimore. We're going up here. We're going to expand our operation because we've peaked out in our city. That seems reasonable to me. It doesn't seem reasonable to just move up and be one of the another one of the nameless, faceless people who haven't really put in any of the work outside of just relocating. Because right. that's a big thing people do. It's kind of the same way people go to college. So many people like out of high school, they'll be like, oh, I'm going to go to college. And it's like, well, what are you going to do in college? I don't know. Go. <laughs> and it's like, okay, so you go to college and then you get your degree, but it's like, okay, but like 
that's only a part of the equation here. You know, like going to college in and of itself is not how you succeed. You have to right. like take a path. You have to take a direction. You have to network and all these other things that go into having a successful career. It's the same thing with, with show business. It's like, okay, like, yeah, you want to be an actor. You want to be a singer. You want to be a comedian. Okay, great. Um, uh, so you just think that by simply relocating to another city and doing the same bullshit you're doing here, that's going to bring you success right. because now what you've done is you've taken your, um, ability to succeed and externalized it. Now you're relying on the city to make you, you, does that right. make any sense? Yeah, like the yeah. same way we talk about not relying on people. It's like, I don't rely on Baltimore to, to reach my potential. I just look at it as like, this is the place that I that makes the most sense to me right now to be doing it. Right. You know, other people are like, well, I'm not making it in Baltimore uh, because, but it's like, are you doing everything you could be doing? Right. Are oh you yeah. And I'm definitely not like, I don't, it's no fault, but it's just like, why, why do it? Yeah. So you want to move to New York and have the same shitty habits, have the same work ethic and all those other things. And then you just think that magically by changing your zip code, right. you're going to end up where you want to be. I'm sorry. That's not how it works. But just, and I'm not trying to be like, just, just in my case, just the defeating thing is having strong sets in front of showrunners around here. And then them saying things to me, like giving me false feedback mm. and pro and just like, that's the defeating part of it. Well, and, and it's just like, to, I, I have tried to prove myself and like nothing has really manifested from it. Well, the 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 other part of that equation that that Jewish wisdom you, you dropped on me. <laughs> right. Um, now I understand why you guys are at the top. I mean, that's great. That's uh, great. We're, we're, just, we're at the top because we're lizard people. You guys so. should run the world. <laughs> I'm not saying you do, but you should. And I'm not saying you don't either. <laughs> and I'm a real Jew because my mom's Jewish. So yeah. <laughs> um, but like the other part that I really like about that, um, I don't know if that was part of the saying or just your interpretation of it. But when you said that like, you're never going to be the people where you grew up are never going to receive your light because they're always going to see you for what you were. Mm -hmm. And this kind of circles back to everything we've talked about so far, the branding, the all, everything, because so much of what makes people really take off is when you've expanded outside of your circle of people that actually have a personal connection to you to know that you're a real person. So much of what being a celebrity or being a popping person is um, you're coasting off of people's image of you. Right, and it's hard right. for people to have an image of you yes, yeah. if they know you personally. It's hard for people to take you seriously as this big-time comedian, big-time band when they're like, yeah, I went to middle school with that guy. He got suspended for throwing Old Bay in somebody's eyes. <laughs> like, that's, like, it's hard. It's hard to, like, do that. So you almost kind of have to, like, you have to have people that don't know you catch on because those yes, are people that are going to yeah. be like, oh, yeah, Sam Kelly. Oh, Jimmy Selesky. Oh, it's like, yeah, you right. guys don't know that we were losers. You <laughs> yeah, just know us who we are now. Yeah. And so there is an element of like, yeah, it is kind of hard when people have such a close relationship to you for them to ever see you as anything other than what you've been. Right. You know? Right. And it is so real, and I hate to say it, but people being jealous, and then that negative energy like affecting you. Well, yeah, there's that too. I mean, and I'm not saying that's the case for me, but it's just, or, or even my non-comedian friends that I've burned bridges with recently, just being resentful, being like, oh, just because you think you got some local clout and da 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 da. It's like this time last year, I was in the fucking psych ward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and, and a lot of that too is just that kind of crabs in the bucket thing. Another great uh, uh, metaphor for this city. <laughs> Uh, is that and it's every city but because of Baltimore's relative size to these bigger cities 
uh, it's much more apparent and it's much more in your face because um, there there is this feeling in Baltimore that everyone feels that's trying to do something where like there's only room at the table for so many people. Mm -hmm. And so we're all kind of competing to be the best in Baltimore. And that means that like... Who is the most popular guy at Christ's table? Look at what happened to him. Oh, well, that's true too. I mean, well, besides Christ. (laughs) And look what happened to him. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, Jesus Christ. (laughs) But like... And it was one-sided. There is an element of like, you know... you. You know what I mean, though? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, totally. And it's just, I don't know. Again, I don't mean to sound like bitter and resentful because in my heart, like, I I know what, like, I have to do. It's just so disappointing because I love the city so fucking much. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's me. It's like my spirit animal, this city. And... But um, I as far as you moving to the actual city, like what part were you, were you thinking, like Fells Point or one of the like, classic thirty year old white guy places, to like move. Hamden, Fells Point, Remington, um, or I would say uh, Pigtown. Fells, That's where I got my shit stolen. Pigtown. I thought it was safe because it was uh, uh, yeah. not so. <laughs> I'm not, not gonna quite. say that. Not quite. <laughs> Pigtown, I thought there were cops all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Turns out I was just a... Uh, I can't even say this joke. <laughs> it's pretty bad when you can't say it, yeah. I can't even say it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, or you could go really white. It was white. just a typo. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> oh, my God! Uh, okay. Come on, I, I had to say the joke. You know I don't mean it, but it's it's, it's too in, it's too uh, in we'll your face We'll edit Matt Brown's face on, on top of yours. But, um, Come on, but, man. <laughs> you could go really classic white and move like, to Brooklyn Park. That's where my dad lives. Oh, uh, that's yeah. too classic white. That's 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 a whole other level yeah. of white that I'm not prepared for. Yeah. I um I would probably move to, like um I guess, yeah, Fells, Canton, I think I'm probably too old for Fed and not really, it's not really quite my vibe. Mm. Maybe like Locust Point or something. I've thought about Hamden just because that would be probably the most convenient place to live because, it's, again, it's right off 83. Yeah, I love I Hamden. could still get to the studio in, you know, 15 minutes and yeah. it wouldn't be a b- issue. And, um, you know, it's just places like that. But Hamden's not really my vibe too. I'm not like one of those like crusty white people either. <laughs> I'm not really, I don't really know, like, you know, and it's weird because it's like if when I When you don't fit in, you're larger than life. That's true. That's those true. Are the people who like if I wasn't needs. if I wasn't from Towson, I would say Towson isn't my vibe because I would picture it as just like all a bunch of college kids, which a lot of it is. Um, and honestly, I think I'm one of the few just thirty year old dudes that's just like casually just living in Towson, mm-hmm. you know. And so I probably wouldn't ever pick Towson as a place to move if it was uh, if it wasn't already where I grew up. Uh-huh. So I kind of feel like I'm judging Canton by just my experience of like hanging out there a lot i'm like oh am i like some trendy the last time i hung out in canton um i was like in my mid-20s and then my friend got date raped by a bunch of lacrosse players they didn't roofie my drink though did your <laughs> did your friend go to duke what? <laughs> <laughs> i so she said samantha what happened because i left early she's like i woke up in a hotel room with a bunch of lacrosse players and i was like uh oh <laughs> yikes yeah but again it's like i was unrapeable so um, that's my <laughs> Well, I consider myself unrapeable as well. So maybe, <laughs> maybe as a, you're a, can, as a yeah. young unrapeable yeah. male, is that a voting demographic? Uh, He's doing polling well incel. in the unrapeable demographic. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, incel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I, I should probably edit that. But but yeah, that's like my last experience. I think with Canton. Are there shows? I don't even know about comedy in Canton. There's not. But. That's the other thing. It's like there's not a lot of like. Uh, it, it very much is like uh, it's a it's a kind of like bar 
culture, like, but not yeah. like a artsy type of culture. It's very mm. much just like neighborhood inner circle. We but see, all I know you like together. that, but you are an artistic person. That's kind of the issue. So it's, it's like, like yeah. yeah, it's like so. I, 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 my spirit is bro. I have a bro <laughs> spirit. Right, right. But more so, I have the artistic element where i'm not quite bro enough to just be like yo let me move to fed because like i'll be the guy in fed like drinking bombs with people and doing rumple shots but also like humming into my phone like another song and it's like I, you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. it's not quite all the way there you yeah know? no but i think that that's like um, a beautiful thing because it's like i am a comic but at the same time i take I'm so sensitive and so emotional. And as a comic, you're supposed to like mock everything mm -hmm. and basically just treat everything as a joke. But like, yeah, I treat everything as just like magic. Yeah. <laughs> and that's gay. That's gay as fuck. That and people, gay. people like make fun of me for it all the time. But it's just like, it's yeah, less gay it's, being a girl and doing that. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. It would be so fucking gay as fuck <laughs> if I was like, that. <laughs> right. But, but, but okay. Like one of my, one of my favorite magicians of all time, an artist, and we were talking about image and this is someone who constantly hide between um, an ever like evolving image of himself is David Bowie. Mm -hmm. And he adopted these personas because as like a way of sort of like performing magic on stage, but also just because he was so fucking shy and embarrassed mm -hmm. of like putting himself out there that he hid behind these personas. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. in comedy, I guess it's sort of hard to do unless you're like Larry the Cable Guy or something. Yeah, the gimmick shit. It's like, you know, and this is all personal preference, but I, I feel like most people would agree that the the comedians that we look at as the true greats. They weren't the Dice Clays. They weren't the Larry the Cable Guy, you know, people like that. It, you know, even like Jeff Dunham or any of the, like, the gimmicky type of acts. It's always the the people that felt the most honest, the most true, and the most themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that pretty much goes across the board, you know. And so, I don't know. As far as it pertains to your situation, I think, like, you know, I don't know what is, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of things. But as far as what's tying you to Baltimore... But also, money, yeah, yeah money, and, and my fucking kids, money, <laughs> kids, those are big things, yeah. obviously. But like, I think that we underestimate just how, like, if you're willing to put in the legwork of traveling and stuff, like, we are in one of the best areas in the country, really. Oh yeah. I mean, like, I I've talked about this before. I don't know about it on your podcast, but just about every chance I get, I talk about how when I was driving down to Miami to drop my girlfriend off down there. Uh, we drove from Baltimore to Miami and Whoa. down 95. And when we got into the top of Florida, we passed through Jacksonville, which is like the top of Florida on 90, off 95. And I'm thinking like, yo, we just made it into Florida. We're pretty much there. And then I look at the map. We still got five hours to go. <laughs> right. And I'm thinking like, wow, holy shit. Like Florida is that big? I didn't realize like I'm thinking like Miami and Jacksonville, they're like probably the same fucking place, just a little bit different. Like, you know, like any two cities in a state would be. But then I get down, I'm driving, and I realize, like, yo, Baltimore is only, like, three and a half hours from New York. Jacksonville is literally almost twice as far from Miami as Baltimore is from New York City. And Baltimore is, like, one hour from Philly. We're, like, yes, 45 yeah. minutes from D.C. You know, and like I'm I said, like, Philly. like, the furthest major city up would be Boston, and that's, like, what, eight? maybe seven and a half, eight hours, which like that, I'm not saying that's convenient, but I'm saying like, if you really look at like DC, Baltimore, Philly, just those three, I mean, that's three major cities that right. were within, a, that are within like a one, one and a half hour radius Right, right. that yeah. you could be breaking into all those things without ever moving, you know, 
your house ever, you know? I love Philly and I love Philly comics. Um, it's just like, and something about like Shane Gillis that I heard recently is just like, he's really done a lot to improve the state of the comedy scene in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Like he's somebody who's really like given back. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not trying to shit on like the people, I won't mention them by name, who've kind of like made it from Baltimore who are like on the rise, but it's not like the same thing here. It's just yeah. like, we're like you're a fucking embarrassing like inbred cousin or something. You're like ashamed <laughs> to admit like that yeah. you came from. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I mean, but you're absolutely right. I mean, it, any, and also you can just sit in your room and make art and anything's possible on the internet. Well, that's the other, that's the other big part of the equation we haven't touched upon yet is I think that this conversation, um, is still very relevant, but, and it's still probably like more relevant than it isn't, but it's less relevant than it was 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Meaning that your physical location is less important now than it was I would venture to say by far. I mean, I, I would say like like you just said with with social media and internet and TikTok and Instagram and like comedians like to complain, you know, the tr the purists complain about how there's like so many just like TikTok stars that are like comedians or whatever. Right. And it's like, yeah, but that's that's a double edged sword because also you now have the opportunity to be a great stand up comic in the middle of nowhere and catch on and be just as popular, if not more than the best stand-up comedian in New York City or LA, you know? And so it's yeah. like, we have this opportunity of social connection where I don't think it is as relevant uh, to physically live where you want to make it because I don't think there's any one place that you make it now like there used to be, which honestly is kind of more fuel to the fire of our the previous point, which is you can live in Baltimore and not just isolate yourself to Baltimore opportunities. You can go up to Philly. You can go up. You can go down to D.C. You can once every couple of months or once every month or whatever, take the train up to fucking New York and get a spot up there. Like these are all things that are well within, you know, uh, three hours and the time it right. takes to work half a shift at your fucking job. You could <laughs> be up at New York to get a spot and back. And that's one day of work. Yeah. If you figure a eight day, eight hour workday for most people it's like these are all things that are possible you right. know it's just a matter of what you're willing to do and so yeah i guess that i kind of i'm always i always find myself talking myself out of ever leaving baltimore <laughs> uh -huh. um probably out of uh you know like some type of like you don't have to leave you can journey from baltimore you can journey. But, but a journey exactly is a, means a return home like the fucking hobbits look the, re the, rings. Well, the reality <laughs> is i say this a lot Sometimes I say this a lot sometimes, <laughs> um, but uh, you can only have one home. You can't be from everywhere. Right. And so many people, they want to be from New York. They want to be a New Yorker. They want to be from L.A. And it's like, dude, first of all, L.A. in particular there's not really any homegrown call. I mean, there is. Oh yeah, we can talk about the Met Gala after this. Yeah, this we'll get. Yeah, 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 that's a good. That's a good segue. <laughs> that is a good segue. But now that we're heading in that direction, let's let's focus in on L.A. Yeah, yeah. Is that where the Met Gala is? I'm not sure exactly. I know like Carl. Larger I thought it was in New York. Like, yeah, but it's like L.A. New York. I mean, New York has a little bit more of edge than like L.A. does. New but. York because so much of New York culture is also Jersey and all that shit. It's like that kind of like the burrito. Burrows. And there's so many people that are from New York that live in New York. There are people from L.A. that live in L.A., but so much of L.A. is transplants, which means that every most not everyone, obviously, but such a, a transplant sounds like a slur for like a vegan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> transplant. <laughs> so there's such a significant uh, uh, population of people that are just from somewhere else 
that moved to LA chasing but God something. damn it. Okay, like lately I've been listening to Lana Del Rey and like what she sings about like, I'm on the beach in LA. Are you going to be my lover tonight? I'm like, yes. Like I want to be like Lana Del Rey, like on the fucking beach in Santa Monica. Like, yes. Yeah, like I want to be like. Then this. you go to Santa Monica and you realize it's a fucking pier with a beach. Yeah. yeah and you're like, dude, Ocean it. City's way bigger than this. Ocean City's got rides, like oh, real right, roller coasters. Right. We got. We got 140 <laughs> streets of this shit. What's Santa Monica doing? You got one um, long pier. You got one long pier and a 10 mile wide beach that there's four people on on any given right. fucking day. It's like so much of that is like, it's like, I don't know if you've ever been to like Hollywood. You've been to Hollywood? Like very, yeah, but it's like, it's a shithole. I mean, it's and this a, was before I even did stand up. It's just a my joke. Friend. I literally out loud not to be funny. When I went there for the first time when I was 19 years old with my friend Scott, we were living on we were just homeless for a week out in LA and we, which I, now we would fit right in, but you know, in 2011, it was a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, we go out there and we get to Hollywood and I literally, I was like, this is, wait, this is Hollywood. I, because you spend your entire life again, this is, this is, goes back again to the branding thing because it's the same way. Like Hollywood would have never been Hollywood if it was just trying to be Hollywood to the people in LA mm -hmm. because the people in LA would be like, yeah, I know Hollywood. It's right there. It kind of sucks. <laughs> right, right. It has to be, it becomes Hollywood when you have the people out in Maryland and, 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 and there's a Hollywood Maryland. Yeah. And there is a Hollywood <laughs> casino, Maryland, arguably just as good, <laughs> arguably just as nice. Um, but like, because I'm out, with no familiarity to actually what it is, I'm just picturing Hollywood as this Disneyland of like amazing frills and flams and celebrities everywhere. And and because of that, that's the branding. And so you have this weird distorted image of what it is, but then you go there and you realize, oh wait, this is just Hollywood. But that's what you realize. It's like, that's how people see you. Yeah, because that's, that's, celebrity. that's what taking off is. It's when somebody who doesn't know that you're just a fucking shitty three blocks in the middle of LA <laughs> and goes, dude, that's fucking Hollywood. Yes. That's Sam Kelly. <laughs> that's live from the studio. Holy shit. Because you don't know me, motherfucker. If you sat down and talked to me for two hours, I guarantee you wouldn't be as big of a fan. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of sense, actually. But yeah, but the... But the but, but is there a part of you that, that kind of like falls in love with like the clout or that gets gets a rush out of it? Or I, I think um, when I was younger, I used to just have this vague idea of I, I knew I wanted to do music and I I didn't really know what I wanted other than like I want to be famous. Mm -hmm. And it's like that's such a weird goal because <laughs> it's like I want to be famous. Uh -huh. It's like, OK, um, how, why, you know, like, and it's like now, I mean, as far as like the clout, I think more so, first of all, I don't have nearly enough clout to even say like, here's how I handle it. <laughs> it's like, it's like, but in the minor, like I, in the past 10 years, I've obviously grown my operation to a yeah. point where like, you know, like to a point where like I can maybe go into a bar and be like, yeah, I play here, 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 here. And there's a certain level of legitimacy to it where I can, you cut more doors open because of the doors you've already opened for yourself. Yeah. Let's yeah. put it that way. Um, and so in any degree of like that on an exponential level, as you progress through your career, I almost, um, kind of feel like I would fall more into the, uh, when people describe like imposter syndrome and stuff, like, that means you're talented, though. People that have imposter syndrome are usually talented people. 
Well, sure. I mean, I guess. Be- well, I guess that would make sense. I think that. Well, I think that there are talented people that don't have imposter syndrome. I think that. I think more so people that have an imposter syndrome are self-aware, and because not only do I, not only did I go to middle school with myself, not only did I grow up with myself, I am myself, and so no one really knows me on a more intimate level than I know myself, and therefore, it would be very hard. For me to ever buy into the idea that I'm whatever people might see me as, mm-hmm. you know, other than like, oh, yeah, he's a good dude, you know, fun to hang out with, whatever, good playing music and stuff like those. Are, that's like the, that's how I see myself. Like, I don't think I suck. I'm not going to sit here at, like with false humility and be like, I'm not even I, I do believe I'm good at music. I do believe I'm good with like the things that I do. And uh, but that's and also the you're like a Leo, right? So it's like you're born, and I know you have the astrology is, but Leos are born to shine, are born to perform. You're almost doing yourself like a disservice by not sure, being like sure. a light. Upon that's this that's world. one way of that's one yeah. angle, the the <laughs> astrological angle. Sure, I know so sure. many Leos that are are like performers and stuff, and they're usually like the most you know like charismatic people that like magnetic people that just mm-hmm. are natural leaders. I I feel like the more, and this is all hypothetical. You always run the risk of sounding, you know, delusions of grandeur here. But let's just say hypothetically that I were ever to or like I personally was ever to like get any level of actual notoriety. I think the more fame or clout I got, the less interested I would be in it. It doesn't mean that I wouldn't like the fact that people know who I am and that they actually respect what I do, but that would be the main thing. It would be the validation of knowing that all the hours of everything I've done and worked towards is actually kind of coming to fruition, but the actual, like, the celebrity of it Mm -hmm. and the, um, you know, again, the, this, this perception that other people would have of me. I would find it exhausting to constantly live up to that and be so that So you wouldn't guy. be like Machine Gun Kelly wearing like your girlfriend's blood around your neck? No, and shit absolutely and like- not. I, I, <laughs> I don't have, I don't resonate with that type of shit ever. I think that like it, it kind of says to me when you are doing that kind of shit, it's like there's no way that if you weren't out in public, this is how you would dress, which tells me that you're putting on an act. Mm-hmm. You're being something, you're being who other people want you to be. You're being what other people expect you to be. And um, what if you're doing like me and you're being the, like the exact opposite of what people <laughs> want or expect you to be? And well, you're just being like a total fucking mess. If you mess, just naturally happen yeah. to be the opposite of what people want you to yeah. be, then that's just being yourself. Yeah. You know? Which but I it's think somehow getting some kind of attention or no, but it's like not, you know, in a positive way, maybe. But the reality is uh, anybody can be different. It's very easy to be different. I used this example on the last podcast or two podcasts ago. Um, I could go outside right now, get naked, run out in the middle of York Road, and I'd get a lot of attention. Uh-huh. People would people it would turn some heads. <laughs> uh, it doesn't take any skill. It doesn't take any creativity. All it takes is a willingness to, uh, basically it takes a lack of shame mm-hmm. and, a, willing, uh, and a, 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 a need, a desire for approval and validation and attention that knows no bounds. Right, um, right. So, yeah, you know, you can put on this act and, and, and you can buy into your own gimmick. Uh-huh. Um, but that's... I. I Again, I feel like that that would get fucking exhausting to be like I find it hard enough even when like the few people that do even come out to see me play um and because I'm on such a small level like I have personal relationships with these people um so like 
because I've talked to them so frequently, I have the, it's like having your friends come out, you yeah, know, yeah. it's not like a fan, you know, although I guess it kind of is because these are people that I only know because they come out to see me, mm-hmm. you know, so, but like, because it's so such a few and far between um, that like, you know, I, I'm able to actually form personal relationships with these people. I find it like I would be constantly, I had an experience a couple weeks ago where a guy uh, who saw me playing, I forgot where he saw me playing. It was like somewhere down in like Howard County or something. Mm-hmm. And he's from Howard County. And he's come out to see me twice in the past year uh-huh. since then. Uh, the first time he came out, he came to Perennial in Towson. Now, we briefly spoke the first did time he came I met out. Him. Did he literally come out like he's he gay? Is, is that why like he's he, like, he super <laughs> Well, like, that's another like, guy. Yeah, I have okay, another okay. guy who should yes. come out. Um, <laughs> but again, it's like whatever. But like this particular guy, he came out like maybe five months after I first met him when he first saw me playing and he came out to Perennial. And uh, he was there the whole time. I thought I kind of recognized him, but like, you know, whatever. Um, and then at the end of the set, the bartender comes up, bar manager's like, yo, um, that guy, whatever, says he came out to see you. He wants to know if you can do the song. I was like, he was like, you know that guy? And I was like, where is he? And he pointed to him. He was like, he says his name is this. I was like, I don't know. So I did, I was like, whatever, do the song. And then he comes up afterwards, he introduces himself. He's like, hey, you know, I saw you back there. I saw you were playing here on Facebook and I came out, decided to come see you. Oh, wow. I was like, cool. So we talked and I was like, great. Then just a couple weeks ago, he came out and saw me at Ampersy. And again, it was like he looked familiar, but I've never really had a close enough interaction with this guy. And it's been, you know, six months in between that you kind of like, you make it vague and you're like, you don't want to walk up and be like, hey, dude. And they're like, who are you? You Yeah. So like he was sitting there the whole time. I wound up sitting right next to him talking to my friend during my first break. Didn't say anything. He didn't say anything to me. I get back up. And then my second break, I sit right back next to him again. And then he finally turns and like, hey, you sound good tonight, Jimmy. And I was like, oh, and he was like, yeah, man, it's blah, blah, blah. I, I saw you. I was like, oh, shit. And so then it's like now I feel bad because you've come out to see me twice now. And I sat directly next to you and didn't even fucking Wait, say no, anything. Wait, no, don't feel bad. That's like a fan. But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's such a hard place to be in. And it's also very cool on his part um, because you know, he's not looking Even though at you're like, like a good looking dude, you grew up fat, right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's what, that's all, all this is like coming from. Sorry. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not you used can't to, just accept the attention or like the praise. It's I'm just, not that's used the to part. people yeah, yeah. wanting to associate with me unless we are directly interacting. Nobody yeah. wants to associate with me from afar. And, uh, you know, so like we wind up talking and now I'm like buying him shots because I am truly <laughs> expressing my appreciation for how much it truly does mean to me Aww. that someone enjoys me as a musician enough to come out and enjoy me as a musician and not have any other ulterior motives like they're not like a you know a gay guy or something secretly wants to fuck me or something like that it's like this is just a chill dude it's like yeah man like i go out like i we were gonna go my friend was talking about maybe go out on fells and talking about seeing this band i was like dude we should definitely go because this guy jimmy's playing at ampersy right beforehand so i came out by myself to see you and i'm gonna meet up with him down at cat's eye after i'm like that's fucking sick dude and so we're fucking chatting and buying shots and i'm almost probably being too personal because i think he was sitting next to a a a woman that he was probably trying to hit on i'm sitting there still feeling like i need to like talk to him and stuff (laughs) eventually i was just like i just kind of just walked away and was like hey man good seeing you but like that i couldn't imagine how i'd handle it when that's when you're actually playing shows and stuff and like more people mm. are like that than are your personal friends and now you ha- i would just have this feeling of like personal responsibility to personally engage and 
express my gratitude to every single person. And it's like, I, I literally, at the end of that night, I went home and I was trying so hard to find him on Facebook so I could message him and be like, Aww. hey, by the way, like, sorry, I didn't recognize you at first. Cause I couldn't do that if there were a thousand people coming out. And I feel like it would just, it would be, uh, my nature would not uh, work well with it. I would have really? to like relearn some aspects of things. Um, but that is a reality of if you do make it to that level, that's what it becomes. You know, right, right. So. I mean, that's why it's like I'm not I've never been a fan of Ellen DeGeneres or anything like that. But like when the um, rumors came that she's like a bitch or something, it's like, can you just imagine the anxiety of like dealing with that much like attention mm. every day and like feeling like you have to perform, feeling like you have to be like this likable person? Um, I'm, I'm sure that's like why a lot of celebrities are very cold. Well, I mean, yeah. But at the same time, the flip side of that argument is it's not like you don't get paid well. Yeah, to do yeah, it. Exactly. It's like you you are living a, a life that most people literally only dream of and do dream of. You have fame, you have, you know, you walk into places, everybody everybody want you, you there's not a single place that you can't get into because everyone wants to be around you. You know, you you have money, you have all this stuff, you have everything you want money-wise and it's like yeah, and and yeah, but nothing in well, life. There's is a free. difference between like everybody wanting to be around you and then everybody wanting something from you. Well, that's wanting. that that thing I I can see because that would be tough too. It's like you know if you, you want to help people, like you were. I don't want to say you're like a people pleaser, but you want to like give back to people. Like if you the podcast like, takes off or something, or like if you take off with comedy and you're like. Uh, don't say if say when when yeah I, I, look i <laughs> you always speak shit into existence that's why it's called a spell but i uh <laughs> and i'm horrible at that but yeah <laughs> i hear that and i get that <laughs> i don't subscribe to that yeah yeah yeah. i i genuinely like i don't have to speak out loud what i am manifesting yeah yeah, yeah. i'm no, I thinking it that. when i in my mind in my mind the word is when yeah. When I speak out loud, I say if because sometimes I find it obnoxious when people are overly confident and overly like, no, not if, when I do that. It's like, okay, yeah. we get it. You want to do something and you're working hard towards it. Just say if, you know, right, we get right. it. Like if is like, it doesn't have to be like, a. I don't know how to describe it. It's just like, I personally like, I get that that's like a, a thing. Yeah, yeah. But like, if I was just sitting here like, when I'm famous, let me tell you something. <laughs> When I have thousands of people coming to see me, it's like, no. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I understand. But you keep talking about how, like, oh, when I get notoriety or blah, blah, blah. But it's like, or when I'm done, you already know that, like, you're good enough. Yeah. You just have to, like, keep doing it. And then, like, this guy, like, the fact that it meant, like, so much to you. And, like, it, in turn, like, you shone a light on him and he sh shined a light, like, back at you. Like, that yeah. is what the energetic exchange is where sometimes I feel like an energy vampire because I want to do stand up because I want to be a performer. And mm -hmm. I feel like, is it because you're such an attention whore? But you realize, like, sometimes you're giving people, it's, it's an exchange. Yeah. You're giving them something back. Well, and that that is a that's a good that's a good point because so much I think um uh what is the word I'm looking for but like that kind of compulsion to put yourself out to the world um you're almost what you really want because it's not just wanting to put yourself out there it's you have a desire for people to like you said shine that light back at you so you're almost kind of like projecting this thing to have it reflected back on you mm -hmm. and whatever that is you know they say like whatever you put out you get back yeah and so i think that that like if when you're putting out your truth i've always felt this way and i noticed this from a young age like 
I all I found out very young, very early in my life that like if you just like are honest and like open about like stuff that even most people wouldn't talk about, like embarrassing stuff and things, you'll say something. And then what happens is when you say that thing, like, yeah, like when you're a kid, like I remember, I, I think I first realized it when I was in early high school and we were kind of talking about like, you know, shit that young high school kids. So I, I mentioned, I was like, yeah, my mom caught me making out with my pillow once. <laughs> and, um, obviously very embarrassing. And, uh, I was like, you know, a young kid and, uh, but like, you know, you watch movies and stuff, you're practicing, whatever. And, um, when I said that or like humping a pillow or something like that, uh. everyone in the room was like, Oh my God, dude. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And like, it was this thing that like immediately when I said it, it kind of opened up everyone else. Now that yes. I've opened that gate, of being like, yo, this is something we can talk about. This is something we all experience. Yes. This is something we all do. Um, That's the difference between somebody who's a gatekeeper and then somebody who's a gate opener. Sure. Yeah. I like that. No. And so then all of a sudden, they're all talking about their embarrassing experiences. Experiences, And then what you have is this much more, first of all, intimate closeness to these people because you know them on a deeper level and now everyone is also kind of let go of that weight on their shoulders yes. where they feel like they're not allowed to be themselves and they have to project this image and so so much of like that realization for me was like yeah like if you're willing to open up yourself to other people you're not only freeing yourself from that baggage of feeling like you have to pretend to be someone you're not but you're also opening up the gate for them to be themselves as well. Yes, you just completely described the reason why I wanted to be a comedian. And that it, yeah. that is the true artist. So 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 we spent so much at the beginning of this podcast, um, and I think rightfully so, kind of putting all those devil's advocate possibilities of like, well, if you really get down to it, there's an ego <laughs> element, there's this, that, the other thing. But really, now that we've kind of hashed it all out, that is probably the best way of looking at it. It's like, it's not a need to express yourself out of ego or feeling like everyone needs to see how i see it but just the act of putting yourself out there allows other people to feel free to be themselves and then it's this mutual exchange that just like like it's not like if i come to your store and give you money and you give me the candy bar neither one of us got over on each other it's a mutual exchange Mm -hmm. so true art is this mutual exchange where i'm giving you something and then i get back something from you and everybody leaves happier yeah everybody leaves better and freer yeah, because exactly that was beautiful. I mean, it, it really is like like somebody telling you like that your story inspired them or made them not feel so like alone. I tell you what, let's uh, let me take a quick bathroom break. Yeah, yeah. When we get back, let's talk about you know the Met yeah. Gala and stuff issues right. issues of the day. Right. That's all right. With yeah, me. yeah. We'll talk about the Gucci carriers when you're supposed to free your baggage, <laughs> not carry it. Yeah, let's let's segue a little bit into some topics of the day. You sent me an article before the uh, cast of my favorite event. I just (laughs) cannot get enough (laughs) of the Met Gala. And also just something about like Hollywood is just like, I know you may have heard this before, but like the literal term like Hollywood is esoteric is Mm -hmm. um, about like Hollywood. Like that's like the the most uh, that the the Druids use, like the um, the wood in like their wand, Mm -hmm. basically. Like it's, I'm like a, a personal occultist. Like I believe in being, an occultist rather than a pop cultist but i believe Mm -hmm. that we should use these like symbols and everything to like manifest power for ourselves rather than for like corporations now before we delve too far and let's Mm -hmm. at least confirm where this takes place where is 
the Met Gala. <laughs> Tina Fey tells this really funny story about going there um, with Carl Largefield or whatever his name is. And she said like he's just the most miserable person alive. And she just like walked into like a toxic cloud fart. Who's this? Um, Tina Fey said that she went to the Met Gala one time. Oh, yeah. And like Carl Largerfield, like he just like he she walked in like a cloud. Carl fart of his, Largerfield or whatever his name is. Hey, oh. Have you seen that like designer? He's like this like creepy no. looking fucking gremlin man with like black glasses. No, I'm so he's always like, OK, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know Chuck Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so it is held at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in uh, Manhattan. New OK, York City. OK. Yeah. So it's a New York event. Um, but very Hollywood, obviously. Right. Um, right. now from my understanding, uh, it is basically this just very high profile thing where like very exclusive <laughs> higher, you know, the, the people that are like the top of, you know, America loves to think we don't have royalty, but really what we've done in, uh, in America is we've replaced like in Britain, they have the queen. Right. Right. In America, we don't have a queen we don't have royalty in so many words but we do have hunter Michelle biden obama yeah. beyonce <laughs> kim kardashian yes, queen. isn't beyonce getting sued or something for like Probably. not for evading her taxes so Probably. she's pulling a fucking trump <laughs> if you're gonna hate on trump you better hate on beyonce hate that's on all queen B. <laughs> um but like so so america is a we have that everybody has that kind of like culture where we need we feel the need to worship people and in america we worship celebrity Mm -hmm. and so the met gala is kind of one of the more uh egregious displays of that kind of um is it an egregious display or is it like an actual like illuminati occult ritual it very (laughs) well could be some form of a uh ritualistic thing um, I, I, on a personal level, tr- don't really, uh, I don't delve as far into the occult as you do, <laughs> although I absolutely do. I think that we arrive at the same conclusions <laughs> because I think that in a lot of ways, um, the, when people talk about like being possessed or like demons and things like that. I tend to kind of explain those things in a less occulty way, but I recognize that they all kind of point in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And I think that this kind of um, uh, display, uh, you could look at it if you wanted to, yeah, as a sort of demonic thing. Well, and you look, see, like they always do, like the one eye pose, like especially if you're like watching, like uh, looking at this vigilant web, uh, citizen website more, you know, just mm-hmm. like when I, it's like the one view that I get on my fucking videos. And oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's all about like, and again, I don't necessarily know if it's, it's talking about like opening your third eye, which mm. I believe in, you know, it can be like a positive thing, but it's, it's just this constant like symbolism. And like, if if you notice, there's a lot of um like female uh like performers and everything. Every single one of them before they pop out, pop off, like dresses like Marilyn Monroe. Mm. It's and she was like the first like basically like beta sex kitten. Gotcha. Who was like <laughs> I, I I know it sounds fucking crazy, but it's like if you read about like Marilyn Monroe and everything and the CIA and it just mm-hmm. the brainwashing that she underwent. Uh, well, okay, let me put it this way. I I am familiar with the Illuminati and stuff like that. Maybe more than you know. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Don't. <laughs> um, I'm so glad I got some sleep before I came on here because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I sleep with one eye open, but these two are closed. Um, so, uh, I look at it as like basically 
when we look at like uh like religion and things like that one of the th- main things in christianity is this kind of not placing value in your material possessions not placing all this so you can give them all to the catholic church sure sure <laughs> sure, sure, sure and, that has and that's not christ's message that's, yeah, yeah. that's truly exactly, not his message, exactly but. that's a that's a, <laughs> a corruption of his message but you know there's so much there they don't place a lot of value on your own personal ego and i i have seen that so much of uh, this consumerist, materialist culture that we've kind of um, promoted in the West, at the very least, um, is so contrary to all those values that I think leads to a happy and healthy society. I think that um, with, uh, you know, we talk about, like, especially with, um, I'll say hip-hop music, I think is a great example of that. I think that there's a reason uh, that, and I don't know what the reason is. <laughs> I don't know what the reason is, but you can almost trace the, and it's not just hip hop, but celebrity culture as a whole and hip hop definitely uh, on the music side of that is very a good example of it in my opinion. Um, kind of like the destruction of uh, like marriage communities and things like that. Um, almost, I would venture to say, almost line up. Because that BBC is destroying your wife's pussy. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> there seems to be this. Uh, I'm using hip hop as an example, and I always walk the line of like, mm. oh, you're talking about hip hop. Does that mean you're talking about black? It's like yeah, I'm just yeah. fucking giving a fucking <laughs> and example. The mic even went like, <laughs> yeah, even the mic couldn't handle because the mic's black. He's yeah. not unlike when I talk like that. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh. Um, but like. There's this kind of promotion of this idea of like, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, they kind of promote things that aren't ideal for the average person to pursue happiness. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like having the nicest fucking clothes and shit like that and having, you know, not settling down and marrying a woman and raising a family. Can the I complete play white, opposite can, of that. May I play just white devil's advocate as, least sure. as far as the, the, the material <laughs> thing? Just, I've heard black people say part of the reason why they talk so much about materialism comes from like slavery absolutely. and the fact when they couldn't own or possess things that it's just like, yeah, like Ab- no, like, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that like, if you go back in the sixties and stuff, um, all the music that was kind of pushed out to people seemed to kind of, you know, a lot of talk about love and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. And the then, age of Aquarius, baby. and then like the eighties and nineties, it seemed to go like, now we're talking about just like, Madonna. The, uh, yeah, like <laughs> the opposite. And Madonna is a good example of that. It's not just hip hop. It's not just black stuff. It's, it's all that stuff. And I'm using hip hop as an example because when I look at like the values that are promoted in that, it's like, yeah, people are talking about that all the time in every facet, but it seems like the music industry really hopped on this one particular uh, type of vibe and mm-hmm. said, let's push this out. Yeah, it's low vibrational. I I admit that. Yeah. Like. So so low vibrational topics and low vibrational people always will and always have existed. However, the industry made a conscious decision on some level, whether it was just strictly for financials um, or what it was, who knows. But we have really, as of late, promoted, seem to have like pushed anything that would any type of values or any type of messagery that would be not the ideal type of values and messagery to push on a society. Mm-hmm. And when you have these displays of wealth and materialism and ego, like you have at the Met Gala, um, 
it's it's almost like this in your word way of looking at like this ritual worship of all those shitty values mm-hmm. like oh look at this person they're so awesome they're dressing in this like ridiculous thing because it's not about if it's actually beautiful it's about how much money it costs or how crazy or different it is and it's like it is this kind of weird display almost ritualistic display of all these values that are not good yeah are not yeah. good and the people that buy into them might be low vibrational, but the people that are making the decision to push this on the low vibrational people are not low vibrational. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. You're totally like um like I was listening to a, a Megan the Stallion. Sometimes I want to listen to bad bitch music or something like before Joe just like, but it's like she was like that thought shit, you know, like I'm gonna post a pick and make me a profit. It's like who is listening to this? Like young girls who the day they turn eighteen start an OnlyFans. Yeah. I mean that no OnlyFans is a great example because you have this like uh you know there are girls that are growing up now that in a society that is legitimately trying legitimately succeeding in convincing them that sexualizing yourself uh is empowerment. <laughs> and it it's not. In my opinion it's not. Right, and right. and I don't see how telling an a 17-year-old girl that in one year she can post pussy pics and make a lot of money and that's good for society and they pitch it with this angle of being like oh well you're taking command of your own sexuality blah 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 but it's like no what you're actually doing is basically telling women that their best foot forward is their it's literally their foot forward by yeah, selling feet pics. exactly exactly <laughs> it's like these aren't that's not when we talk about like women you know succeeding it's like you know, the whole problem before was that women were seen as purely sexual objects and that they couldn't be good at anything else and therefore they weren't allowed to vote or anything else. Also, people have a lot of very uh, kind of uh, misaligned views of exactly how that was looked because like it wasn't like we thought women were fucking trash either back in the day. You know, obviously it was a different time. But like nowadays we're basically, ta- we're almost doing it worse now where we're like, oh, actually like, yeah, like, no, actually, you know, being a porn star is, it's an empowering thing. Having an abortion is a good thing. And it's like, yeah, I'm not saying that you should be able to have do that either, but it's like, when these are the things that you're pushing, first of all, it's like, it, it's very emblematic of a society that's on the downslope. Because mm-hmm. it's like, abortion has been a thing too. Um, you know, people, but when society was structured in a way that was like, look, you know, yeah, when, when society was structured in a way that like, it was, yeah, people have always been out fucking. People have always been getting pregnant out of wedlock, but it was seen as a taboo. It was mm-hmm. seen as not the right thing to do. Uh, um, now it's not seen as the right thing to do because it's like, oh, you should in the pop, it's overpopulated. Don't bring more well, people into this world. Well, yeah, but then, <laughs> but then that always comes down on like the family thing. Like it's like, it's like you in a society that is promoting healthy values, wholesome values. You're still going to have the people that are existing outside of that yeah. and having sex with casual sex mm-hmm. with a bunch of people and 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 getting pregnant out of wedlock and stuff like that. But my my how pers- dare you? I had two no. <laughs> <laughs> but my my personal opinion is like yeah, those things happen, but and but it shouldn't be seen as uh like a good thing. It should be seen as like, oh, well, yeah, that happened. Right. And like that doesn't make you a bad person if that happened, but we shouldn't be pitching that as on par with like not doing that. You know, like we, I guess basically what I'm saying now is society's lost all sense of having standards. Well, it's just, how can you expect 
relationships between anyone of any sex or gender to be healthy and normal when you can go online and a man can see more naked women doing having sex than um, a man a hundred years ago saw in his entire lifetime mm. in, in one hour. That what is, is that doing? That's my fear as someone with, with sons. That's an excellent point. And by the and time you're 10 years old, there are a lot of arguments <laughs> to be made about how bad pornography is just for society as well. And I'm not, yet on the train of like pornography pornography shouldn't be legal i'm not on that train but i see the point because i don't know if human beings are biologically wired to have that much access to sexual stimulation whereas like i feel like it was easier to have people in relationships before all that existed because like you grow up in a fucking village let's say it's a thousand years ago you grow up in a village there's the one other pretty girl in your village that you have a super big crush on, and that's the woman you fall in love with and you get married to. You weren't constantly being influenced. Or you raped with, and pillaged her, but yeah. Yeah, sure. Hey, <laughs> or, or as we call it now, marriage. Yeah. Um, but like, but like that, it was like easier because there was less stimulus, stimuli to, to fuck with your perception of your wife and your husband. There was less like stuff getting in the way. Now you're constantly being bombarded with like every fucking dot, you know, tens on Instagram and stuff like yeah. that. And it's like, I could see how you could make the arm that like it does make it harder for men to just be totally focused on their relationship and things like that when they're watching porn and stuff like that. It's like, these well, and are for all- girls too, it's just like, okay, why stay with a dude if you have the slightest problem when you can just go on Tinder and it's like fucking Pokemon Go? Yeah. Like, what and, can and I get? Some, and now it's, it's, it's seen as a thing where like, you know, you know, even with like the sugar baby thing, it's like, oh, so now all of a sudden we went from women saying, fuck this, I don't have to be relying on a man, I'm going to go out into the workforce and make my own career to, uh, you know, b- because before they had to be at home and be dependent on a man's income. And now we've gone back to it's actually empowering to just have a guy pay for all your shit because he gets to fuck you once every couple months right, and right. pay for your apartment and stuff. Except the difference between this situation and the situation uh 70 years ago where it was your husband is this guy now your sugar daddy doesn't give a flying fuck about you outside of the fact that he can fuck you and once he's over that you're on the fucking street again and it's like before you had an actual marriage with a family and a real connection with a person and it's like we've somehow taken all the things that made feminism want to be a thing in the first place and reverted back to them with a different angle rebranded we rebranded female and before anybody cancels me I'm a phone sex worker, <laughs> so I'm technically a sex worker. And if I could make bank off of it, even on disability, but I only limit it to what I need because it is such a bad feeling afterwards sometimes. Yeah. It's a low vibrational feeling. And I'm accepting it because I don't want to work at fucking McDonald's. <laughs> well, hey, and you know what? This isn't, this is the world we live in. <laughs> and and that is that is I mean that and like when I say these things and also I live with my Catholic aunt and like I don't want her hearing me like, call, <laughs> like a dude to jerk off into like women's panties and, like, you know, and worship the goddess but yeah worship Look, the goddess you know in a wholesome way <laughs> again there's a difference between saying something is okay and saying something is good well it would be okay if this was on the fringes of society basically I'm a person who was was born to be on the fringe of society and I know that about myself. There's always going to be people like that, artistic, creative people. But because 
that is bleeding into the mainstream. That is the corruption of society at large, I suppose, is that like you have basically like high school girls looking at this going like, oh, I don't have to go to college or I don't have to work at Starbucks or blah, blah. I can just go on OnlyFans mm-hmm. and like my dad's friends can find it and buy my fucking pictures. And yeah, and like, yeah. And, yeah. and, and here's the thing. We have this kind of thing. You'll see a lot of people tweeting stuff and it'll be like, normalize this, normalize that. And I'm always thinking, how about we normalize not normalizing everything? Like some things aren't normal and some things are better that way. Like, yeah, I don't want I'm not on there being like normalized, dropping out of college, uh, playing music at bars and starting a podcast in a garage. I don't need you to normalize that. Right. Because, you know, you're abnormal. Yeah, (laughs) I do that. And I don't want every other dude to be doing that as well, because then that would make me not a standout in whatever I'm trying to stand out in. Right. Now everybody's got that type of thing. And now it would be edgy for me to like fucking work in a cubicle. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's like there, you don't need to normalize everything. It's like, we don't need to normalize sex work. We need to accept that it exists and go like, okay, yeah, you can do that. It's probably not the ideal job to have. Right. And even like you said, it's like you recognize it's not ideal. It's just the, uh, something that, you are doing right now because it's better than the if other I options. I could be you a have. state farm agent. I would. Yeah, but I can't. <laughs> like so, my brain doesn't work. And that. there's no shame in that. It's like it's like even like as it pertains to like even if you were to say like with abortion, it's like okay, yeah, I'm not thinking you're a bad person if you get an abortion. But the second we start getting to like yeah, normalize it as like just a thing that you just do, like mm. you fucking buy, you know, you do your taxes. It shouldn't be like that. <laughs> right. It should exactly. be a thing that it's a thing that you can do. But the second you start putting it. The second you, like I said, there's a difference between something being okay and something being good. You can do something and have it be like, yeah, I do that and that's that's just what I do. But the second you start promoting that as like a value or a, or a pillar of society or like a good thing to strive for, now you've lost the plot completely. Right. And so it's like with this type of thing, with the Met Gala going back, it's like the, it's a very blatant display of all these type of wrong values in this kind of celebrity worship and it's more grotesque because they're worshiping themselves as well Mm -hmm. they truly do think they're better than you and that's why tina fey talks about like walking into that cloud of just whatever with that (laughs) guy it's like this guy really does think he's better than the average person Mm -hmm. he really does think he's above because he has more money and he has more clout and it's exhausting it's like i don't understand how anybody at least much less on the outside of it would be interested in it because I can barely understand if I was in it being right. into it. Right, you know what right. I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, like, I'm wearing, like, a Nirvana shirt right now. Like, that's a classic example of, like, Kurt Cobain. And, I mean, I know that he killed himself for because of uh, stomach issues or something or because of being in pain, but he was the type of person who had all this fame and, and clearly was very uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Even people mm-hmm. like Lil Peep. I know he died, but like, I watched a documentary about him. Mm-hmm. And it's just like these people who are like extremely talented and they're just like, they can't handle the egoism of it. Mm. Or yeah, I can't think of too many modern a examples. A lot of them are also just fucked up people that happen to be talented too. Cause it's like, right. a lot, like just because you're a great songwriter doesn't mean you're not also a junkie. Right, you know, right. and and junkies die. Yeah, junkies overdose, and like, you know, all, I feel like there is this common tendency with pop culture, like when somebody famous does it, we always create this other legend around right. it, like he actually did it because he couldn't deal with just how true his words were and his truth. Right, and it's like, right. or 
He's or just he, a guy in a successful rock band who also happened to have a drug addiction that was deadly. Just like millions of people who aren't in famous rock bands die of overdoses. True. I mean, just like a, a mom will overdose or something in order to, and you're like, why would you escape your life when you're a mom and you have these like amazing kids? You know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a similar thing. Why would you die and want to escape life when you're literally fucking famous and everybody mm-hmm. knows your name? But that's the thing, and I'm, I don't mean to get all woo-woo and everything, but it's like, that is the age of Aquarius to me, and then the new age, the digital age, is that everyone has the capability of being a star through the internet, through social media. Mm-hmm. And that is the lie that these celebrities tell us, is they call themselves stars when we literally are all made of stardust. Well, yes, yes. And there's also this thing where, because the option exists to be everybody, like, if you're really into social media, you kind of are curating your own personal celebrity little image see i'm i know that i'm doing people probably won't believe me but what i'm curating isn't for my followers it's for my descendants because i truly believe that we are all leaving a digital footprint of our existence and i think in the future you'll be able to buy like like only fan ancestors (laughs) but like about (laughs) about like an an (laughs) ancestry.com like you'll be able to buy like records of your ancestors, like um, social media account. You'll be able to buy your grandma's Facebook or like her Instagram yeah. and be like, damn, grandma was a thought. Like, <laughs> or, or better yet, it's all like, I think about that all the time. Even when we do these podcasts, it's yeah. like yes. in 50 years, uh, assuming that the internet isn't just wiped clean, which is a possibility. Um, but like, our kids are just going to be able to, our grandkids are going to be able to watch us in our thirties. Just yes. Talking. And that is exactly what I'm at least all they my life is far from perfect. And I put my, but at least they can look back and be like, wow, like mom or grandma or whoever, like, even if you don't have kids, like whoever they really lived. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. I'm glad you talk about descendants too, because yeah. that's yet another thing that I would say, like in society that we've kind of steered away from like it's so much more common to hear people like talk down on the idea of having kids or like kids are a burden and we look at kids like and that's kind of what drives the abortion debate too is because we kind of taken this thing where it's like well kids are a burden and this that the other thing it's like yeah i get all that but at the same time it's like they're in a healthy society a healthy person at a certain point you know a kid is a fulfilling thing or it should be yeah and you're you're perpetuating it's like it's like putting another life on the planet outside of yourself that is you and it's basically what immortality is it's like i'm only going to live so many years but i can put another person out there that has every all the things that i teach them and all my genes and stuff and then they can go on to the next thing and and perpetuate a legacy that's bigger than just one person exactly and i think so much of the whole anti-kid thing uh sentiment in society now is because we've placed so much value on our own personal identities and egos which is again unhealthy because you shouldn't be so self-obsessed that you're looking for immortality or the fountain of youth or drinking fucking adrenochrome or whatever. <laughs> like all these, like even in mythology, like these people, it's always associated with narcissism where like they want immortality for themselves. I want to live forever. And it's like, but you are just you and you aren't meant to be forever. I you got my kids taken important. away. So that's why I'm trying to fucking achieve immortality <laughs> through uh, internet <laughs> clout. <laughs> No. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's yeah, like, no, no, it's beautiful. It absolutely is. Like that is like the true like magic, the alchemy of existence is is re, is recruit um like having your legacy is creating something out of it is uh the merging of two opposites. Like the DNA strand literally looks like the caduceus symbol than like um the or catagus, whatever you call it, like mm-hmm. the, the medical. It's like the, the two snakes like intertwined literally looks yeah. like our DNA. Yeah, yes. And and you it's 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 this weird form of self-worship that ultimately leads to 
um, depression and anxiety, which is another thing that's very much more prevalent in modern societies and very much more prevalent in um, prosperous societies more so than uh, like like the the level of anxiety and depression that you find in your average suburban uh, teenager's household is probably I would venture to say more than if you go to like a third world country where it's a different type of thing where it's like you know when you look at like the suicide rates in uh, you know America which is a generally and, and it's a, it almost you know, if you look at suicide from a certain angle, statistically, it, suicide almost looks like it's a it's an issue of, of privilege more so than lack of privilege. Right, right. Where like it seems like you're more likely to commit suicide if you are someone that would be considered to be actually pretty decently well off as opposed to like, you know, how many people are like starving to death in India that are just fucking keeping going, you know? And it's right, like, right. what is that about? Yeah. It shows that there's something in our society that's bigger than just, you know, how rich you are, or how much you have that like, the true meaning of life is something deeper than that that we've lost sight of because we're so obsessed with ourselves and our own materialism but those are all things that uh, like when you become when you become uh when you place your higher your highest values in things that are temporary like yourself or your possessions or your anything like that then you're ultimately going to end up not fulfilled because those things don't last forever. When you place your value in something bigger than yourself, then you can start to see how people can actually feel fulfilled growing old and knowing that it's their time to die, but knowing that they've created a, a you know, descendants and a legacy that carries on. And it's like, because they are, they're worshiping something bigger than themselves. The problem is, is that people, human beings need to worship something. Mm -hmm. And when you take God or whatever you want to call it out of the equation, the higher values and things like that, what people are left worshiping are the lower values. The problem with worshiping the lower values is they don't last forever and therefore your happiness is only temporary too. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and again, I don't mean to be just like so surface level and everything, but like look at Madonna and look at her, look at how she looks. She looks like a fucking like creature from like the Black Lagoon or just like her face. It's just these women that become just totally obsessed with appearance. And I mean, yes, a lot of it is patriarchy's fault, but it's like you're not going to be young and beautiful forever, no matter how much fucking adrenochrome yeah. fucking facial your face with. And it's almost a very disturbing, like I do find that one of the more disturbing things when you see these like people, male, female celebrities that were just like obvious, like they were known for their beauty and stuff like that. Even and Joan Rivers, the funniest woman I think alive at the time, is like she did that to herself. It's yeah, just, it's horrible. But she's and, open about it at least, right? And like, right. But like you know, it, it is kind of a disturbing thing when you realize like just how kind of empty these people were that they're in their sixties still trying to be the hot chick, still trying yeah, to be yeah. the playboy dude, and it's like Jesus, man, like that's got to suck. But but it's, you're it's, supposed to move into your wise elder archetype. Yeah. But they <laughs> like but, mentor. But that's what happens when you again you worship things that are temporary. Your beauty is temporary. You know we're not going to be young forever. And when you place all your value in being young and handsome or young and beautiful, it's like well then you've basically set yourself up for imminent demise. Yeah. Because when you get old, then you're just it's just this never ending struggle to hold on to the past. And then you just wind up looking like this crazy lizard person, honestly. <laughs> and not even being a Jew. Lizard. Yeah. <laughs> and not even being yeah. Jewish. Not even having the self-respect to at least celebrate Hanukkah. <laughs> but um, it's just that's the one thing that is this about finding spirituality that has just given me so much inner peace is that I believe in an eternal soul. 
Yeah. That I believe that this soul is basically just like a passport that we take elsewhere and that this earth is just a school. And mm-hmm. I'm not to get on like a huge tangent because I know we probably got to wrap things up, but it's like I've been reading this book called The Three Waves of Volunteers by Dolores Cannon, this fucking crazy old bitch that used to do like hypnotism on people's past lives. And she's saying that like a lot of people when she did hypno- hypnosis situations with them, like it used to be people would remember their past lives on earth. Mm-hmm. But after World War II, more and more people didn't ever remember a time when they were on earth. They remembered a time when they were like on another planet or in perfect union with the cosmos at perfect peace and happiness. They can't. And that's why a lot of people now are suicidal or a lot of people um, are so uncomfortable here. So much like anxiety, not fitting in, not finding your tribe because you feel like you don't belong here. Mm -hmm. But these people are actually like meant to bring light. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. I, but I, I know it sounds I know it sounds crazy and stuff. No, it doesn't. Off when I'd like a tangent and everything. But no, it it's doesn't. Like, it doesn't sound crazy. But it, it goes back to like the beginning when you're talking about you know oh like I don't have notoriety I don't have fame but like what you're supposed to do Jimmy is you're just supposed to be yourself. Yeah. And you are light and you are helping other people. You, your purpose is just to exist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And every you know I, I know I'm like getting kind of like deep there but it's like that's just the thing that like monetary value and, and clout has kind of like. The forces, you know, are, are working against us to like keep us from ascending to that higher vibration. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. And and like even the even the idea of purpose. I talked about this with the guy Joe in my band. Um, the idea of purpose. Uh, you know, if you go into physics, I'll try to make this brief. Yeah, yeah, I got my GED. Of, like uh, <laughs> you got to break it down. <laughs> but like, if you go into physics, in the theory of relativity and quantum physics and stuff like that is when you really start to delve in the idea, A, that time is relative. And because time is relative, then it's not all happening at the same time for every person, Mm -hmm. which means that time is more like an experience that is, um, it's an experience that is dependent on the experiencer, if that makes any sense. So, So like the idea that if, if time is just something that you experience at your own rate, and somebody could experience time faster or slower than another person, then in reality, it would almost lead you, I know this is kind of a logical jump, but just try to bear with me here, that like all of time kind of already exists, Mm -hmm. and we're just experiencing it. Meaning that I always used to think, and I always used to find it kind of interesting, that like it's only ever been now. And one of the weird kind of things that happens as you get older and you experience it on a personal level is that like, the same person who's a 30-year-old dude now in a garage was the same person who was a 30-year-old dude driving up here earlier today and was the same person who was an 11-year-old in middle school, the same person yeah. who was four in my parents' basement. And like I've always been me, and it's always been now. you know. And then you get to these milestones that are like, oh, you always have an idea of what it was like to be 30, and then you are 30. And then you're like, oh, wait, I just am still me. Exactly. I imagine I would be 30-year-old me, but I'm not 30-year-old me. I'm just me. Yeah. I've always been me. And like, so you get into it where you're like, you you start to realize that like the past is a memory and the future is just like an idea, but it's always ever going to be now. It's only the present always and has always been now. At any time in history, it's been now. And so let me see where I was getting at with that one second. Oh, yes. The idea of purpose is is almost a delusion that because we can't conceive of the idea that the future and the past are just kind of like, think they're just like ideas. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, like the past is kind of the story that I have in my own head to make sense of why I'm here right now. And whatever ideations I have of the future is just like ideas I have, you know? So you like, 
One second. I'm trying to, I keep on losing myself here because no, no, this no. is kind of a weird uh, thing to get at. But so with purpose, purpose necessitates future. Because when you're sitting here going like, I'm here now, but why? I, a purpose says, well, you're here now because in the future, you're supposed to be here. Well, if there's no real actual such thing as the future and it's always just now, the present, then that means at the same time, there's no such thing as purpose. Does that make any sense? Like the purpose, like you said, is just to exist. You are here now. It's always going to be right now. And you're wasting your time trying to answer the question, why? Why am I here now? I don't know. I don't know how I got here. Nobody knows how we got here. And nobody knows what happens when we're not here. So it's just now. And so all those things of like purpose, it's like... uh, that also leads to a, a, a depression because like I think I find that most of my depression and anxiety comes from feeling like I'm not doing something now that's going to lead to something that I want out of life in the future, whether that is success or notoriety or whatever, whatever things that I want, whatever I've thought about in my own mind as things that would make me happy. Mm-hmm. But that whole thought process of purpose is what's really because I have this purpose in my mind that I'm supposed to be this thing and because I'm not that thing now and this future idea of what I'm supposed to be is constantly making the current me upset that I'm not that thing but if you lose all that bullshit and you just go wait a second if I want to be that thing in the future I have to be it now and I have to do the things now that make me that thing in the future because the future isn't real it's just now later (laughs) right right exactly yeah yeah I mean that's that's extremely deep and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier where it's like the old you when you were just starting out as like a musician and everything you probably dreamt of like the fact of just being able to walk in any bar and being like look I pay me Mm -hmm. to do a show here Mm -hmm. but then present you is dreading it because it's not something bigger that you're envisioning Mm -hmm. or it's not the place that you necessarily want to be but you used to want to be there yeah because I've set because now that that is my now now my future is something bigger so it's just constant like chasing the carrot dangling from the head (laughs) it's like well I'm here now like the carrot was here and then I got here but now the carrot's there (laughs) And it's like when you live like that, then yeah, that is what causes depression. I feel like a lot of the people, the most happy people on the planet are the people that are just going like, you know what? I'm here right now. And if I want to be happy, then I have to be happy now. And I have to do the things that make me happy now. Right, right. Or else it'll just, like I said, it'll be now later and I still won't be happy. (laughs) I mean, your, your future you could be like, having a record deal or something or like performing and then you're you're unhappy because you can't have that personal connection like you did with that dude in the bar because you have to just walk out on stage and just be a persona and not have that one-on-one connection without fearing someone's going to assassinate you yeah and then you go from living in the future and then you'll know that that your friendships aren't genuine because you'll be thinking oh somebody just wants something from me yes yes and that 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 being said uh there are people who live in the future i consider myself one of those people um, and then there are people who live in the past. At least the people living in the future have a purpose. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Although the purpose is kind of what leads to all those other things we talked about. Living in the past is even worse because now the rest of your life is literally pointless because <laughs> you're just constantly trying to get back to where you were. Right. Which and, is also and I, I don't mean to keep talking about like Lord of the Rings and stuff, but it's just like, or even Harry Potter, just like think about 
the, the fantasy. Think about the hero's journey. It's like, it's not necessarily the ending after they threw the fucking ring in the volcano and then they had like the 30 to 40 minute ending that dragged on forever. You know, like Kevin Smith talks about where the hobbits were, went to Rivendell and they were all gay and shit together. It's like, <laughs> it was just the journey that was epic. Well, the best, the, struggle. Way to, the best way to like make a good example of that is imagine if you walked into the theaters and the credits come on and then it says Lord of the Rings <laughs> and then the first scene is the last scene in the movie and then the credits come back on and it's over. <laughs> and what you realize is, oh, wait, the only reason that final scene had any significance whatsoever was because of the entire story leading up to it. Yes, The right. only way that anything has meaning is because of how you got there. Exactly. You know? Yes. Yeah. So like that, I mean, I don't know. That like if, if I, but I sometimes, you know, like when you skip to like the ending of a book or something, when you find the pages, like I just want to know that at the end of my life, I'm just this old bitch just like laying on my deathbed and my grandkids or whatever around me and are just like, grandma, you know, before you die, tell us the story of your life. And I'll be like, well, I got a fucking story for you motherfuckers. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> I just want to know that that's where it ends. And, and like that I'm, I ha left the legacy behind that I carved my life out the way I wanted to, that I created something. I have a feeling that when, if I'm lucky enough to be, I don't even know if that would be considered lucky. Sometimes I go back and forth between like just dying unexpectedly, unexpectedly <laughs> and suddenly because then you're not like contemplating it or like, but like being on like your deathbed, I feel like that would kind of suck because, but at the same time, it's got to be this crazy experience because you spend your whole life, like I said, living in the future and then you hit the end and you're like, wow, this is literally, there is no future. This is just it. Every idea I ever had that was going to happen beyond here. Now I realize this is my, this is the last moment. Yeah, and that's yeah. got to be a crazy thing, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I was at my, um, my mother-in-law's deathbed last year around this time and she was horribly abused throughout her life. She was a cancer patient, a miserable, depressed person. And I was at her deathbed and she died with this beautiful smile on her face. Mm. And she, she died just so to see somebody like that that had like their whole life just like fucking miserable and pain to go out with a fucking smile. I mean, it was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. And like me and hair went at it. Cousin Brandon, he looked at me, he's like, oh my God, Sam, I'm so glad you saw that with me. It's like, It yeah. really makes you wonder what, like everybody wants to know what happens when you die. And the best way I can try to imagine it is I really do feel like it's like when you wake up from a dream. Yeah. I really do think there's some type of weird illusion or delusion, whatever you want to call it, that we exist in uh, consciously in life. And then when you, when your physical body dies, it's like, like you, when you're asleep, you have this whole storyline in your dreams that seems just as real as regular life. That's why yes, you fucking yeah. don't wake up immediately because you're just like, this is normal. This I'm just, this is happening. <laughs> and then when you wake up, you realize, oh, none of that shit actually happened. It was just a dream. <laughs> and it's like, maybe when you die, it's like you realize that all of this was just some crazy fucking dream in a way. Not to sound like super cliche guy trying to sound deep, but like the best terminology i've thought of to use for it is that metaphor or that example or analogy i guess would yeah. be called like it's got to be something i i like to imagine is something where like you die and you realize that like like they always talk about like that we're all the same consciousness and when you die like just like when you wake up from a dream and you realize that like oh when i was talking to my mom in the dream that was me 
when I was talking to that guy at the store in my dream, that was also me just yeah. being different people talking to myself. And it's like when you die, you realize like we're, you're, you are everything. Everything yes. is everything, you know? And then so that's, does that mean it's okay to be a narcissist? <laughs> well, that's, that's another, you see yourself in everything. These are another, that's another thing. <laughs> that's like the weird paradox of this way of thinking is because, um, if you think that you are everything, then, uh, you are a narcissist. Yeah, yeah. But if you think that everything is you, mm, okay, okay, then yeah. you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hell yeah, that's fucking beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's, uh, I, yeah, I. I don't know. It's kind of just like when you create like in the Sims game, like the Sims four, like you create like a Sim. Like I always wonder all the time, like, are we actually like creating like lives there? Just like simulated lives. It's just, that's like, are we like the Sim for like something else? I've had very, uh, I've had very strange, uh, thoughts about if like your dreams are actually real, that you're just like in a nut, like, cause if you think about it, it's like, okay, think about this for a second. We spend, the average person, they say you're supposed to sleep eight hours a night, right? Yeah, yeah. I know most people don't, but that's, I do, because I don't have a real job. So <laughs> I get my fucking sleep in, yeah. fellas. I wake up at 10. My alarm goes off at 10. I get out of bed at 10.30. I'm sleeping. Your boy's out here sleeping. <laughs> that's how you stay young, really. Right. But you're um, staying woke at the same staying time. Staying woke. Staying woke. <laughs> Gotta sleep to stay woke. So, okay, so there's only 24 hours in a day. If you're asleep for eight of them, then that means that one third of your life is in this unconscious state. That's not a small amount. That's not a small percentage of your life. Right, right. That means that it's like a two to one ratio of waking life to dream life. Now, if we've all agreed that waking life is real, based on what parameters, mm-hmm. based on what metric have that we all are awake and agree it's real, well, when I'm asleep, everyone in my dream agrees that's real too. <laughs> right, right. Like, oh, there's a solid one third of my life where everyone I encounter is all in on it. It's like everyone's <laughs> in on it right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I've really thought about it. I was like, what makes regular waking life any really more real than your dream life? Right, right. Because there's really no metric of realness. There's not like a, a realometer that just uh, <laughs> right. we're dialed in at 10 reels. It's not a thing. It's like, we all agree that this is real. But like I said, you agree for one third of your life that that's real until you wake up and you realize that wasn't real either. Right. Right. And yeah. then when you die, maybe you realize this wasn't real. You know, it's like, yeah. So I've actually wondered like, dude, what if dreams are like real too? Like that's just another that's part of your realm. life. That's yeah. That's like realm. the astral realm. And I would hate to believe that because I've done some weird shit in my dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah. when I wake up, I'm glad that wasn't real. Like what? Like what? Um, geez. you should start keeping a dream diary. Um, really. I don't dream because I smoke marijuana. I've had, uh, I mean, like you know, I've like killed people. I've had like who did you kill? Gay interactions. Yes. Like, <laughs> and like, I wake up and I'll be like. I, I know I'm straight because when I wake up, I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, I've done some gay shit in my dreams. <laughs> and like, I'm like, what the yeah, fuck, yeah. dude? Right, right. 
Well, okay. Do you think that it's like a your subconsciousness projecting itself, or do you think that you're actually like a part of your soul, or like your astral light body is traveling to a different dimension? I. <laughs> this is super. T- I'm not even smoking weed, people. I've been smoking Newport's chain smoking uh, this entire if you, time. If you do talk in the studio for long enough, yeah. you are naturally yeah. on weed. Yeah. I want a scientist to come in and measure our THC levels yes. as we go through a podcast, just to see. Um, uh, I, I guess my view of the universe is more internal, mm-hmm. meaning that that's very profound. Like, um, you know, when people talk about dimensions, we kind of look at it as like our physical body. Mm. Traveling through different dimensions. Right, right. The spatial dimensions are length, width, and height. There are 3D dimensional things. And then you have the fourth dimension, which is time, which is us moving uh, through the three-dimensional space at a defined rate. Like, And the three-dimensional space changes with time. So time is the fourth dimension. Yeah. It's a three-dimensional space over time. That's a 4D space, I guess. And then you have the other dimensions dimension. that are like... Grant Morrison says the fifth dimension is imagination. Sure. <laughs> and I would agree because... But but if the fifth dimension is imagination... And, and first of all, string theory says there's 26 dimensions. I don't know. I haven't put in my number yet. I don't <laughs> yeah. know how many numbers I'm willing to go, go on the record <laughs> saying. But mathematically they're able to prove these different dimensions the problem is is that when we say the word dimension we really only really truly conceive of the first three which Mm -hmm. is space and then we kind of pretend to comprehend the fourth one which is time Mm -hmm. meaning that most people that are anywhere relatively aware of physics would be like yeah time is a fourth dimension but nobody really knows what that means we just know that that's is true, mm-hmm. you know? But then you go into the fifth dimension, like, what is it? So, like, we keep on looking at the f- higher dimensions, trying to understand it through the lens of how we perceive of the dimensions we do perceive of. Exactly, right. Um. So, when I talk about, when we talk about, you know, a different dimension, a dream realm or something like that, I don't think of it as, physically going to another place necessarily but more so like if imagination is the fifth dimension that consciousness is this kind of uh thing where like so okay so you have three-dimensional space and then um let me see i I was gonna draw something for you here yeah yeah go for it yeah i'm just and if you have to go at any oh, point. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Time doesn't exist. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, checking in with, um, but yeah. Um, it's very interesting too, because it's like any time that, um, I know I'm going to sound like fucking crazy, but I've encountered, um, and I've usually been on acid or something, but anytime I've encountered like other worldly beings or anything, um, it is like, like a hallucination kind of like where yeah. they're, where they're not like solid or anything like that, but they appear like fifth dimensional to me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's like an animation type thing. Like. And, now, um, yeah. Let me see if I can do this for the viewers too here. Yeah, yeah. This is how I perceive of dimensions. Science talk. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do one dimension. Mm-hmm. One dimension uh, would be a line, right? Mm-hmm. Two dimensions 
So that's just one direction. You can go one direction. Two huh. dimensions would be like a square. Uh-huh. You can go this way or that way. Mm. That's two dimensional. Now, if you existed where you could only perceive of one dimension of time, let's say you're just this point on this line. That's you. That's your life. And all your life in space, you're only able to travel this way, left, or right. Can everybody see that? Can everybody see yeah. that? You're able to travel left or right. Now, if time was the second dimension, meaning that you're just experiencing your uh, one-dimensional reality over the course of time, which is two dimensions, what would happen is you exist now, you can't tell because you only live in one dimension (laughs) this way, but there's this whole square here. And with every moment of time, your line is moving up, up, up through that square. And every moment of time, you're just the same guy on that same line but moving through a dimension that you can't perceive of. If you were to zoom out to the third dimension and look down at the paper, you would see that you're just a guy on the line, but there's this whole square that you're traveling through that you can only see one moment in that square at a time. Does that make any sense? Probably not. It's, it's, I'm not doing it, the best job. No, here. no, no. Is it, but are you saying that basically we perceive time as linear, but it's not? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, that, and that we see things in a three-dimensional form experiencing time as moment to moment to moment Mm -hmm. not realizing that like so we experience like me right now like my three-dimensional form right now in this moment of time is this but my four-dimensional form would be everything i've ever been yeah yeah that's fucking trippy dude you know what i'm saying (laughs) my four-dimensional just like this this mythological person on this line in a one-dimensional world only perceives himself as always being on that line he doesn't realize that he's traveling through this square and he's actually going through that whole two-dimensional realm the whole time you could make the same analogy for a square traveling through a cube and you can make the same analogy for us traveling through time which is the fourth dimension so we experience the fourth dimension as segments of three-dimensional reality that makes any sense whoa, whoa. so but if that is the case which it is <laughs> i'm gonna go on record saying that <laughs> it is then the fifth dimension, all that stuff, and like consciousness, like, yeah, your future, your imagination of stuff, like all the different ideas that you like are all different, like conscious thoughts that you've had that you've never, that you, you may or may not ever physically exist in. Mm-hmm. Do those ideas not still exist somewhere? They exist in your mind. Right, right. Which means they exist, just not in your perceived reality. But your perceived reality is limited to your place in the dimensions of space. So in a way, you could argue that every single... The same way I'm arguing that dreams could be just as real as waking life, you could... Dreams are ideas. And if ideas exist, they certainly do, just like Rene Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. The only thing I do know for sure is that I exist because something is existing to think this thing, meaning something exists, which means I exist, which means that, you know, even if everything else is just a weird imagined thing and that i'm imagining that i'm this thing something has to exist to think that to think that it's me right so something exists so your idea have you just proved that god is real i think we might have <laughs> i think we may have just Fuck pro- you grok grokers or whatever you <laughs> look i'm not one to overstate a point but I we may have just right now. <laughs> proven god <laughs> live on the air yeah. what is yeah. grokking by the way what's that 
Okay, so um, I wasn't familiar with the term grokking until like I listened to their podcast, and then I, you know, I, I looked up kind of what Jordan pointed me toward. But grokking just basically means when you hear a spiritual concept or something about God, and then you just immediately get it and understand it because it feels like it's just like an innate thing that your inner being knows. Hmm. So you're like, okay, I'm grokking what you're putting out there right now, like with their. <laughs> I, I love, I love that. Um, on the same level, I must say, I do not grok with the word grok. <laughs> It's like a sci-fi term or something like that. I really feel like we could come up with something like more spiritual sounding. Well, it sounds kind of like a um, a, like a '90s new metal like thing, like where they're like grok grok. It (laughs) sounds like like a mythological monster or something. Yeah, yeah. I am (laughs) grok. But yeah, that's um, like like the sci-fi writer or something. He came up with the term, and then like metaphysical people co-opted it. Kind of like how the realization there's a word for this: the realization that every single person has a unique experience that is just as in depth and involved as yours in their own personal life. Like they're, they're living life and experiencing it from their point of view, the same way you are. Yeah. That's called Sonder. That's the word for that is called Sonder. S O N D. I feel like I've heard that before, but I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. The word doesn't quite like the, the sound of the word doesn't quite encapsulate just how profound of a meaning it has. Yeah. You know, Grok, grok. <laughs> when you <laughs> when you innately understand someone on a deeper level that transcends knowledge or transcends language, so that even there you're trying to communicate something that is beyond language, and because they're also on that same level with you, can fill in the blanks and be right there with you on a deeper level. Yeah, the fact that we decide that grok is the word. <laughs> I'm not grokking with yeah. it. Not grokking with it. Take that, motherfuckers. No, I, I remember Jordan Levine always used to just open with like, you know, what's up, motherfuckers? But yeah. <laughs> I, and that's another just bizarre thing is just like, I haven't seen that dude in years. And I used to like read tarot for him sometimes before like sidebar open mics. Uh, we used to like smoke weed together. And then all of a sudden through this podcast, they're just like, we came back on the same similar spiritual wavelength yeah. and are like communicating again. Just like someone that I didn't think I would ever see again. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful and bizarre. And I haven't seen yeah. him in years either. He's played bass and guitar for me. A couple of my, he does everything. He's truly a Renaissance man he and really his artwork is. is amazing. And I feel some, for some reason closer to him within the past few weeks. Yeah. Uh, just because he's recording this podcast with Alex now. And like, I just feel like, it's just a matter of time till I run into him again somehow. Right. I just, you see, these are the, like Hermes and Hermeticism and everything has been like an important part of like my spiritual awakening. And one time we'll talk about the Kabbalah or whatever, if you're not familiar, but and just to hear like someone that I used to know and hang out with and smoke weed with and like um, Eric's brother talking about like Hermes and the Hermetic philosophy and you know, like we're right here in Baltimore, baby. Like yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome. Like, and just it proved to me that like people are getting more spiritual and I like that it's coming from a masculine point of view because I think that me that, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me yeah. too. <laughs> because again, like, yeah, like of course you want like the basic witchdom and like the chakras and everything and the crystals, but like there's, I think men uh, need like a spiritual. We need to explain thing. in our yeah. own way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. At the end of the day, women and men are different, sue me. And, <laughs> uh, you know, the way that we uh, resonate with certain, like, that's the most classic thing in relationships. Like, I, you, men and women find themselves rela- in relationships, uh, in conf- arguments in the relationships all the time because we just simply operate on different, like, wavelengths in yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. of ways. Like, you know, like, I always got and still do 
a lot of times get in like fights with my girlfriend when she's like venting to me about something. And as a man, you want to fix it. I want to fix it. Yeah, yeah. And but as women, they want. We the, want a bitch. No, want, I'm just, I'm just. Oh, I'm glad you said we just, that. No, no, we just, yeah, want to, want to vent, want to get it. It's like an emotional thing. Like they're expressing something mm-hmm. they're feeling, but men really aren't wired that way to be like men are wired to be like this is a problem. Is it wiring or is it just social conditioning that makes you feel like you have to keep it inside? It's 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 or wiring. a mixture of both. It's yeah. wiring, in my opinion. I always whenever people try, whenever people say social constructs i always say well social constructs are biological constructs the best example i can use is god didn't come down one day and flip a coin and say i don't know how about we make like there was no society that just men and women were existing the same way they were just equals and then somebody was like you know what we're gonna do let's try this out how about we make men you guys are the ones that are going to be like the territorial ones that protect the tribe i'm just spitballing i have no reason for doing this just but also we should make Women, you guys should be like more nurturing that like more like our homemakers and stuff. And that, of course, it has nothing to do with the fact that your physical body is literally built for that. This is just a complete coincidence that I'm just making up socially. Yeah, Let's yeah. just make this thing up where men are wired to do certain things and women are wired to do other things. And uh, let's give it a whirl, guys. And then it just caught on. And then every society and every <laughs> animal species just all happens to have very, very similar and consistent gender roles between how males act and how females act and how females interface with the world and how men interface with the world. Obviously, a lot of the very specific things in like certain things in, in, in human and American society vary culture to culture. But what I always think about is um, not every if you go to every species of animal not every male in every species has the exact same roles mm-hmm. but there are gender roles in basically every species of animal meaning males do certain things females do other yeah, things yeah the praying man is rips the fucking dude's head yeah. off like <laughs> now also also when i say they're not all the same most of them are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most of them are. So, like, the, you could point out some, like, obscure fucking uh, insect that, like, well, actually, in this species, uh, you know, males do this, women do that. Well, it's like, well, that's still a gender role. It just right. happens to be different than our gender role. But also, the vast majority of species also happen to be consistent with our gender roles. Like, it, it, I, it I find it difficult to look at human beings and look at the way society is structured and and go hmm it doesn't make sense to me why why men have this position and role in society and why women have this other one it makes perfect sense you know and that's not saying that you should be uh like chained up by that or that you shouldn't yeah, yeah. be able to exist outside of it but to simply go and look at the way things are and say that that was all just made up well and then this like, is the anti-feminist part where it's like a lot of my intelligent female friends who are like um, I guess heterosexual or whatever in relationships with men um, who are working have careers they're putting up with like these dudes who have like no purpose and are just basically couch goblins playing video games all day because oh, that's yeah. their only way of like channeling their inner masculine and the inner hunter nature I guess of men oh, 100%. Are, are just, and they're not like because they and I'm not saying it's women's fault or anything like that but it's like okay so you're having a negative gender role for yourself where you're with a man and he's basically providing nothing then he's addicted to porn or something on top of that so he's not even giving you good dick <laughs> we've created look I'm glad you said that <laughs> yeah. because what we've done is we've created created a society by by kind of like blurring the lines of gender roles again i'm not arguing that like if you're a woman you have to do this or if you're a man you have to do this i'm i'm simply saying that like 
men and women are wired to just like in conversation, we tend to gravitate towards certain ways of communication, certain ways of dealing with situations. We are wired through interfacing with life differently. And when you create a society, we've basically created a society, society where we've told women that they're not happy unless they go out and get a career and do all the things that traditionally men would have done. And then in doing so, we've created a, a society where now that women are out working a career that they're not really, they're trying to convince themselves they're happy. Not saying that there aren't career women, there are. Yeah, yeah. But there's also a lot of women who are working a nine to five that aren't really that into it. And the second they have a kid, they're like, dude, if I could have a husband that could just fucking like support the house and I could be with my kids and raise them and like be a good mother and do yeah, mother yeah. shit. Like there's a lot of women that are like that. And it's like, we've created a society that's basically told them that's not okay. You have to do this. So now we have a lot of women working jobs that they're not, they don't feel fulfilled in. They're not, they're not career or they're just like, I'm doing this thing because I'm, I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do, but this isn't like what I really want to do. And then you have a bunch of men that now are obsolete because yeah. their Man girlfriend's children. making more money than them <laughs> and they can't get a fucking shit going. And so they're completely useless now. So now you have a bunch of useless men and a bunch of women that are doing shit that they don't even really feel like doing. Right, right. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to work because I'm a piece of shit, but no. <laughs> like there's just, it's just like a while. Like I had this conversation, this exact conversation with my girlfriend where I was like, like she has a job. She makes about as much as me. I guess she, she lives for free because she lives in a staff apartment. So if you factor out that she doesn't have to pay rent, I guess she actually makes more than me. Yeah. Um, but like. I was saying to her, I was like, look, I, the one thing I would say is I don't think that you relate to me on the level of like, I want you to move back to Baltimore. I want, but I also understand that like you have a job in Miami and um, for me to ask you to move back to Baltimore and leave the job that you currently have, I would have to be able to bring something to the table to be like, I can support you at least until you figure out something here. Right, and the right. fact that I can't makes me feel unfulfilled as a man oh wow wow wow! That's and interesting. and i don't know if women have that thought i don't know if a, a, a girlfriend is sitting there like wow i really want my boyfriend blah, blah blah but the fact that i'm not able to support him makes me feel like less of a woman i think that there's something i'm a selfish piece of shit so i can't emotionally support <laughs> anyone else that that's the, the yeah the lack well i think that there's a wiring in a man's brain well, there should be. You're, yeah. you're, um, uh, that's positive masculinity to me. Yeah. But that, that's what's missing a lot from millennial and Gen Z men. And well, yeah. I'll give you an example of a social construct men paying for the first date. Yeah, yeah. That's a social construct because going out to a restaurant is a social construct, I guess. But that's a biological construct because what you're really doing is it's a, it's a, it's a specific human way of demonstrating your ability to provide. Right, right. It's, it, it like even though we live in a more woke society, more modern or whatever, where like maybe it's not as much expectation. It still kind of is, and women still kind of probably feel a certain way when a guy's like, "Let's split the check." It's like it's yeah, just kind yeah. of like a thing. And the reason it's a thing is because nobody made up the i people made up the idea of going to a bar. That's right, made right. up, but we didn't make up the idea of a man demonstrating his ability to provide to a female to prove himself as an adequate mate. That is 
biological. That's animal shit. Right. That's right. not a social construct. Like the male penguin will give like the female penguin a rock. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying like, hey, I can go out. Like yeah. I'm able to get this. I'm able to get food. If you have kids but he with is me, the I'll one be able that, to provide that, for the, the kids. the the egg and she's the one that goes in the, the river Yeah, well, they shit, take but turns, yeah. but it's like, you know, if, if some other dude comes over here and yeah. tries to fuck with our nest, I'm the guy that's fighting him. Like, yeah, these yeah. are all things. Like you're trying to demonstrate different shit like that. And 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 what uh, I've been watching this documentary. Uh, I just finished it. It's called Chimp Empire on Netflix. Uh-huh. You should watch it. Yeah, yeah. It's a four episode simp empire no. simp empire yes the simpanzees <laughs> are taking over and what you realize is like you see so many parallels between like how they like the males have certain yeah, roles because we are women. chimpanzee i mean with a little bit of alien in us that's the missing link yeah, so, yeah, yeah. and they like it's just i'm not going to get into specifics because it's, it's probably boring but like just the idea that like you see like wow like so many of the things that like men do and what women do it's not uniquely human and they experience love and they experience working their way socially with politics and grooming and things like that and trying to solidify themselves in the social hierarchy and all these things that we look at as humans. Basically what humans do is because we are intellectual enough and we've intellectualized these innate things, uh, we think that they're unique things. Mm-hmm. So basically we experience love, and but but because we're able to write poems about it and like describe it and intellectualize it, right? We some people might look at love as like a uniquely human thing, which I got that's probably you bad know example. what is the, the greatest example of love to me is that um my uncle told me that he had two songbirds once, and then when the, when the one songbird died, the other one stopped singing. Wow. <laughs> so it's like that if you can't so tell sad. me that animals aren't capable of love, yeah, it's like yeah. The best way to describe it is like, look, gravity exists whether you know it does or not. Yeah. At any time in history. If I held up something and let go, it falls. Oh, it falls to the same rate. Before we knew that it was negative point nine, negative nine point eight one meters per second. That's all us intellectualizing what already exists. Human beings have intellectualized instinct to the point where we think that all the things that we instinctively do are social constructs. They're not. All we've done is understand them. But in a way, we've now brought ourselves away from understanding, which is probably what the Garden of Eden was about with the Bible in that the tree of knowledge being that like we ate from the tree of knowledge to understand our existence. And in doing so, we have less of an innate understanding of our existence Mm, because now we're relying on our intellectual abilities to understand our purpose and why we're here and what we're doing as opposed to just probably the feeling of uh, serendipity that an animal might have in just existing exactly and yeah. not over intellectualizing it. And therefore they're probably more connected with what it means to be alive. Wow. Wow. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's very beautiful. Like I don't even know where to like end it on that, but, but yeah, other than um, the fact that I think the apple was a shroom, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, see like Jimmy, like you say, Oh yeah, I'm just, I just perform at bars or I just did it. I'm just like a bro, but it's like, mm. no, like you have like definitely like a, a philosopher, like the, I think all the best people, philosophers in life for students of life necessarily. And it doesn't matter about your education or anything. So hundred <laughs> percent. Fuck yeah. Um, I guess I'll just like end it by pulling like a card just to, you know, yeah, let's do it. The collective. Do you have like a particular question or anything? or um, should I just it can be just about life in general you just, I'll like, tell you what yeah yeah I'll ask a specific question this week yes how is the booze belt bash gonna go yes the booze belt okay and where is it going to be at Rodos Rodos on Sunday at 2 yeah everybody come out Rodos and Fells Point Sunday May 7th this Sunday at 2pm we're gonna present the bar the booze belt and 
uh, bracket. Yes. Are you singing like all your original songs? Or are you mixing probably? Some Hell we're, yeah. We're, it's, it's not like a paid gig, so we're just gonna yeah. play whatever we feel like doing. We're probably yes, gonna mostly do originals. Yeah, that's the best kind. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Yeah, and I think um, you you guys need to come up with an album or, uh, or yeah. put it. I put it out there. Yeah. And see, that's like a, that's an awesome thing. It's like. Um, it's taken years and stuff, and those were always like the best albums. Like that now, came I'm out stressed. Like, now I'm stressed. Now I'm stressed because my entire fate of this weekend is no, no. <laughs> okay, how is the booze belt going to go on Sunday? Three of scythes, which means well, it was reversed though, which means reverse okay. heartbreak. Does reverse mean you pulled it out upside down? Yeah, but that's the opposite of that, which means that. Something and it's three, you know, that you guys are like three in a band and everything like that. And it shows like people just like kind of like sitting there like with boredom and everything like that. But it's like in reverse. So it means that I think because you are performing your own original unique material, because you're performing something that you're passionate about that you're doing for free, it's going to liberate something within the band and within your guys' soul. All right. So <laughs> we got the three of scythes. Yeah, that's the three of But swords. in reverse. Yeah, yeah. And which means that... uh that sophomore at the booze belt, the sophomore trio at the booze belt bash this Sunday will be the opposite of a heartbreak, <laughs> my friends. And I don't know how else. I think that's a great way to pitch it. Yeah, exactly. Come out this Sunday to have your heart unbroken. <laughs> yes. Fuck yeah. Okay, we've been Info Warlocks. Um, there is a war on for your magic. <laughs>